everyone. Welcome to episode 60 of Floating Through Film. This week we conclude our series on Ozu, which is, you know, a sad day for all of us. Yes. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing. Like, it's it's kind of satisfying um, watching these two movies, and I was going to, you know, talk about it before we get into the movie specifically, yeah. is uh, do you think Autumn Afternoon is, like, a finale movie? You know, because there are some directors that have movies yeah. where, like, Paul Schrader right now comes to mind as a director that knows they're making their last movies. Yeah. You know, so they're kind of making them knowing, like, this could be their last movie. Yeah. And it feels like kind of a swan song, you know, even if they kept making movies to some degree. Yeah. But, like, I guess I've kind of already spoiled it, but I don't know what you guys think. It's, to me, in Autumn Afternoon, it's not like that. Like, Ozu mm. was not expecting to die when he died. He was kind of, he was, he just turned 60. Yeah. When he died. He died on his birthday. Um, but yeah, so basically, like, this movie, it just feels like another Ozu movie, you know, just another mm-hmm. twist, kind of like he was going to just keep doing the same thing like he was doing, you know? Honestly, yeah. Uh, I don't know, what do you guys think about that? And you guys, and you guys, there are, because there are some aspects yeah. where you could look at it and be yeah. like, I sort of, oh, there's, there's like, uh, you know, because the one that obviously <clears throat> comes to mind is the late spring connection. Yeah, that's what I was yes. going to say, the Chishu yes. Ryu, like, yeah, it sort no, of, that it feels like moment. a farewell yes. to Chishu yes. Ryu, like, in a yes, way. Yes, no, that moment for sure, yeah. So there are definitely moments. Yeah, that's like the main connection, like, I could bring to, like, the final but it does definitely. I do see what you're saying, though. It like definitely feels like, feels like he could he could have kept kept going for sure. Like it just felt like another perspective with Ozu. Yeah, but also, yeah. honestly, also the color. I feel like honestly, this might be his probably his best looking color movie. So in a way, that kind of fits. Like, well, to is there anything specific? I can't say that. Like, I can't say that anything about one Ozu movie because it kind of just depends on my mood. Floating weeds is also like really all of them. Like too, Equinox yeah. Flower, honestly, because to me. At least my first impression is I think Equinox Flower might look a little better. It's more like just, natural for it's, sure. I just like, like how the red stand out a little more. In yeah, cool. yeah, he's a lot more natural. It's a lot more natural. It's yeah. not as much eye popping. It's that's like, true. but it just yeah. depends on your mood. That's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, I feel like it, it does kind of feel like a swan song, especially to like old Japan too. Like that's what I took away from it because okay. there is a lot yes. of red, white, and blue in this movie. Like, yeah, especially well, even on the poster. He goes to the Luna bar. Yeah, like on the. Po- I love like that's one reason why I love the the Criterion poster too, because like the red, white, and blue stands out in that also. For an I, autumn afternoon. Yeah, for an autumn oh, afternoon, okay. which is obviously America's colors, and then like Chicharito is playing a retired or like a, someone that actually survived the war, like a captain of a ship that survived the war, and like all the bar scenes of them singing yeah, the old Japanese the, march songs and stuff scenes. like that. Uh, and not only that is a. Uh, he also that's where he sees the waitress that he says looks like his yeah, his, his wife, wife from who died in the war. Yeah. So just that other connection. Uh yeah, there are in some ways where it feels like a swan song, sometimes, somewhat. But I mean, he. But like, see, he did but th- those, those kind of moments aren't other Ozu movies. Oh yeah, for, that's what kind of what I'm saying, though. So it's like hard to separate versus. I feel like, like it might swan it might song versus that's just what happens I, in an Ozu movie. I yeah. think I think it definitely does feel there's. Knowing the context that this was his last movie definitely contributes to that feeling. Like it though, honestly, like. If if we like if we watched this as soon as it came out and Ozzy was still alive, there's a chance we might have not have felt this way about it. Like we might have not gotten the, those vibes. But I think a lot of what might be happening is like we know it's his last movie. Exactly. Like, That's we're kind of expecting but yes, it. yes. And so we kind of already go in with knowing that. Yes. You know, like with I thought I shot in Kubrick or something. Yes. You know, yes, Kubrick yes. did die unexpectedly. You know. Yes. Um, but yeah, it does have those moments too. Like. uh... I don't think Shishiru had been in a Ozu movie for a while until this one too, which is another reason why he people was in Equinox Flower. 
just as like a bit part. He was uh, yeah. he was in a small, but, but those are far like Equinox Flowers is first color movie, and this is uh, last. He color. was in a small yeah, part, kind of like beats too. Yeah. Oh, he does. He's just, okay. it's a smaller part. That's oh, a small part. Um, yeah, so I guess I like if you talk like main part yeah. though, it's probably. Yeah. And that father-daughter relationship, especially yeah. with the ending, where it's almost exactly like Lake Spring. And I, yes. We'll get to that, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but you know how I've been doing each week? I have one, uh, basically, word for form and one word for content. And this week, I was kind of struggling because, uh, you know, there's so much yeah. for each. And so I kind of wanted to, like, just stick to the basic. And I and remembered I really hadn't talked about this specifically yet. So um, for form, I picked basically... Uh, Oju's camera, his low camera. Oh yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you guys first, because um, I honestly had some like opinions on why I thought he did this before, but it's kind of changed a little bit. Um, but I want to ask you first: is like what stands out about Ozu's framing, his his low camera? Yeah. And more specifically, why do you think he does that? Well, the his stationary camera. I think we've talked about it. It just adds to like the observational aspect. Like you feel like you're watching life actually happen it, it it honestly it, it like in the moment it honestly doesn't even feel like you're watching a movie though like you're like watching an actual family and the low ankle i mean there's there's probably some like more like you know philosophical reasons why he does it but i sort of kind of think a lot of it is that like when people sit down then the camera doesn't have to move with them or anything like it's out of it's at an angle with if they sit down you can like it feels yes it's much more i don't know how you say it like it's all, like i mean that whole that whole word of natural, whatever that means, that's yeah. a complex word itself. Well, it's yeah. also like, like sitting down feels more natural. If you're in a place and you're sitting down, it just feels more natural than if you're standing up. Usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and it also that also just feels like you're sitting, like the camera's sitting. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like that's what it honestly kind of feels yes. like. But which uh, goes to you to what you were saying yeah, about like yeah. how you're just sitting on real life almost. But yeah. and you kind of said, uh, and I think we've already talked about this throughout the episodes, but like originally when I always thought about this. Uh, I always thought about it specifically with Ozu's the way he filmed kids, and so like what the reason I'd always thought about it uh, when I at least when I first watched Ozu was, like, I, I always liked it because I thought he was trying to put the kids on the same level as everyone else in the movie. Yeah, you know, and I always appreciated that. Yeah. But really, like watching this more and realizing how strict he actually really is with these rules, um, it's, and one of, one of these is the low camera. It's not that he's trying to put the kids on equal level. It's kind of what you said. Is he's trying to put everyone on the same level. Yes. You know, yes. trying to be as objective as possible. Yeah. You know, at least with uh, everyone in front of the screen. Yes. You know, to where it's not like... It's... Everyone gets treated with that low camera, not just kids. You know? And yes. uh, I was going to point out a few reasons why uh, Bordwell thinks uh, he has this low camera and, like, why he thinks it's so, like, powerful, basically. But one of the reasons he mentioned was when you have the same camera for everyone... Like, all the codes or, like, ways we associate with cer- certain angles, they kind of just go away. Yeah. You know? So, like, normally, when a camera looks up at a character, the character it's looking up at is, like, seen as the more powerful character, right? And yeah. vice versa. If it's looking down, like, the person uh, it's looking out at is seen as the weaker one. Yes. Yeah. Right? But with Osu, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, all the, everyone's filmed the same way, so at the end of the day, it kind of just doesn't matter. Like, you could initially say, oh, the kids are only filmed this way, but it's really everyone, you know? Yes. Um... So all those ways we normally associate with certain angles, certain framings, all those goes away because everyone's filmed the same way. So there's other ways. So that makes you have to focus on other ways to draw into what the filmmaker or what the characters think about each other. Yeah. You know? Um, so I kind of wanted to go into more... Because I picked low cameras, like, specifically. That's just kind of an example of just... 
Ozu has like a bunch of rules he basically follows. Yeah. You know, like uh, I don't want to go too deep, but he has like one rule where basically, if you watch his movies, he basically has kind of like a circle around every character he films, and uh, that's why the characters are always spaced out a little bit, and that's why every character is okay. framed straight on. Okay. And uh, he has like, Borwell points out how like when Ozu like goes from shot to shot, he only goes in like forty five degree increment increments from the previous position his camera was in. Around these kind of circles, yes. Um, okay. You kind of have to. See, he he diagrams it out in his book, and it's more oh, specific. Shit, okay. <laughs> uh, Wait, so like forty-five but, degrees is like it's so it's half of like a quarter a circle, basically. A quarter, yeah. Okay. He'll either go forty-five, sometimes one eighty, and okay. that's when he flips. Sometimes he has the famous where he'll just flip one eighty degrees and like show the other side of a person. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Like when conversations, uh, I feel like he yeah, he does sometimes that sometimes. Uh, he calls those, or at least a lot of Japanese critics call those daunting cuts, where he'll just flip one eighty degrees, which is. You know, normal filmmaking is supposed to be against the rules. Yeah. You know, because they call it, they have that like, uh, what's it called, the one eighty degree line or something. Yeah. Where usually when you film a dialogue scene, you're only on one side of that line. But uh, okay, yeah, I didn't want to go too specific, but I okay. Uh, the reason why I picked low camera was Ozu has a bunch of these uh, rules, and normally you would think that kind of like would restrict you and what you can do. Yeah. But. I wanted to read a quote from... I want to name who the filmmaker is. I kind of wanted you to guess. Oh, okay. But it's yeah. like, you could name that... You could you could basically think this is Ozu saying this. Yeah. Um, but, quote. For all true creation, you need rules and limits. And a predetermined space paradox, paradoxically permits you a much wider field for creation. The closed settings that I employ leave me few choices and curiously create a lot of obstacles. But so much the more can I exercise my freedom to deepen what counts the most, the heart of the subject. So he wants to guess what that is? Yeah, yeah. Brisson? No. Okay. I'll say this. It's a director you've seen more than I have. Okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Not... Both of you. Both of you have. Oh, what? Okay. I'll give you five seconds. For, I for, no, 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 no. I want to start, like, oh, let's, let's, let's do some 20 questions. You know? Let's do some 20 questions. questions. Fra- French filmmaker? American no, no. filmmaker. Italian filmmaker. No, no. American? Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. Taiwanese? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Sai. Oh, okay. Yeah. How? How? It's how. Let's go. Oh, how? Okay, okay. Makes so much sense. I, I was saying I, I, you've, you've seen, like, just as much. I've only seen... This is... I've, well, I was going to say this because I was saying with podcast. I've seen uh, The Puppet Master. Oh, I've seen... That's the only one I've seen before today. Because the other one I watched today was uh, his Ozu homage, Cafe, Cafe I, Lumiere. I've only seen two. I just didn't watch that one. So. Oh, dude, it's great. It's great uh, watching Ozu because it's... It kind of has a... I won't give it anyway, actually. I won't give anything specifically away, but... No, it's great. Uh, but when I read that, it's like, damn, that's exactly why Ozu chooses all these rules he has. Where it's like, he will never move the camera, you know? Like, he'll never reframe for an actor. It's because those rules gives him more creativity in how he's going to do other stuff within the frame, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, one small example of that is, if you notice all the little objects in Ozu... Like, almost, sometimes within shots, but even within scenes, the objects will just move around a little bit. You know, just sometimes to make them frame perfectly, but just sometimes to give the impression of, you know, objects move around your house. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, but yeah, no, that's... That, I, I, I kind of love that how quote. I, I want to read... Uh, I want to watch more of his movies, because apparently he'd only came to Ozu, like, after his, like, first three or four uh, movies. Yeah, you mentioned this last week. Yeah. 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 And so I kind of want to see, like, kind of that change of... Cause he said he still calls Ozu a huge influence on him, but like I'm, okay. I'm curious. But he didn't watch him. Like he had still made a few movies before he even hitting Ozu. Uh, okay. 
Do you, do you see the influence play? Because I know you've seen. No, I do see the influence now that I've watched Ozu. Because I watched a lot of How before I watched Ozu. So no, and it's interesting that uh, the Cafe Lumiere is interesting because he mo- he doesn't follow Ozu's rules like with the low camera and stuff. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Like he has his own. He still does his own thing of moving the, like uh, panning the camera a lot and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's still like, it still feels. It, you can tell he's trying to have Ozu themes and stuff too. And there's a lot of Ozu in it. So yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing to watch. It's like. It's, like, kind of my favorite thing where you can tell filmmakers, like, inspired by another filmmaker, but they still have to put their own their own self in it, too. Yeah. So that's how you, you know, get something new, basically. Uh, but, yeah, that's... Uh, okay, actually, I had, a, I had a few more things I wanted to point out specifically about what Boardwell said about the low camera. Because uh, one of the... A lot of people, I guess a lot of critics will say, like, why he has the low camera and why he puts it in the same spot is because he wants people to think it's an independent observer that's watching that's outside of any of the characters. And Bordwell says, like, uh, that that's not really possible, because first of all, the camera actually, it, even though it feels like it's in the same spot, he does cut away a lot. He does cut yeah. to close-ups, he does cut to other objects and stuff. Yeah. You know, so, like, that whole, like, it at certain points it'll feel like it's just like a camera sitting there watching, but it's not like that, because he does cut away. You know, it yeah. is still more, there's still a lot more editing going on than if you would think of, like, a girl of documentary filmmaking where it's just staying in one spot, you know, hiding in the bushes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's still way more like yeah, it's not like filmmaking than just a documentary, even yeah. though it feels documentary. It's not, I think well Schrader called in his slow cinema graph, he called it like there's a section called surveillance cam. And I feel like yes. he's taking that but like more he's like cutting around. Yeah, yeah, he has aspects of it, but he also has very much the other aspects where he's still cutting up the cutting the close ups of people when he wants you to see them specifically yeah. or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, he has yeah. a comp- he has his own combination. Yeah. Um and that's kind of why I like doing that's why I like doing the mayor circle uh, especially in the first week cuz he still has he has the documentary aspects, but he has the exact opposite aspects too of the very Hollywood um kind of you know cutting into objects very in your face editing a lot of your times yes, you know? yes yes he has both sides of that to him yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which i really love uh, but yeah that's kind of what i basically all i had with the low camera and the main thing i wanted to say about that was the low camera is just kind of his most in your face rule but he has so many rules that he follows yeah. and that's kind of how he's able to uh film the basically where it feels like he's filming the same subject and he is filming the same subjects yeah. a lot of times but every time you watch the movies, they feel different in a lot of ways. Because it's it's a weird combination where they all feel the same. They feel like an Ozu movie. Yeah, like it's like they a feel like the same subject. Yeah. But yet when you're in the movie, you're like, damn, this is a lot different than the other one I just watched. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. So, uh, and then I guess for the content before we get into the movies itself. And this is the word really kind of why I picked Ozu in the first place. And I guess when I say the word, you'll understand why. So the word is time, uh, and because yeah. I think I I told you guys I was I read that book called The Time Image by yes. Deleuze uh, a few months ago, and the reason why I picked that book in the first place because because I knew he had wrote about Ozu or he had said Ozu was the director that really introduced what he called the time image. Okay. Um, and to, without getting too much details and everything, the gist of it, at least into a certain aspect of it, is he says Ozu is really the director that made film kind of reflect back on itself you know to make you think of i don't know if you guys remember when i talked about the tale of princess kaguya and i mentioned how the ending made it feel like the film is about the film itself rather than any of the specific characters you know it's kind of like just about time or death itself 
rather than any of the specific characters. And that's what Deleuze says kind of Ozu started, uh, what he calls the time image, where it became less about what he calls the movement image, or more action, I would say, is. Yeah. Where, you know, if you think of, just think of like a typical superhero movie, yeah. where the, the plot is usually about the characters have to do something to save something, and then they win at the end, or something. Yeah. You know? Or something. <laughs> Generally. <Yeah. laughs> but basically, you see what I'm saying, right? Yes. There's like some kind of resolution, and the characters are very involved in that resolution. Yes. But he says, like, with Ozu, and you can probably find films before this, too, where the characters have no control over what's happening in the movie. You know? They're just, like, this is where you can get more documentary feel, right? It's, it's not like they have, there's not some plan at the end to where they can solve the marriage situation and everyone's happy, yeah. you know, and everything works out or something. It's just like, that's what life is. It just, uh, it happens this way, you know? Yeah, so and the characters yeah. are just as helpless as we would be in that situation, yes. you know? And we almost have to help, we have to watch them be helpless in their situations. Yeah. And remember I mentioned this with neorealism too, this has that same kind of aspects, right? Yeah, where the, yeah. the characters start to, the characters in the movies, don't even have don't even have hope in their situation, you yes. know. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's why I picked time. That's why I picked time in general. And I think like I, I, once yeah, I read that more specifically, like I felt like Ozu really clicked for me in a whole new way. And a lot of movies clicked for me in a whole new way because yeah. of that. Because um, if you think about like if you think about Ozu's movies, when I say time, to me I can't separate time and the word death. Because they kind of, yeah, and not yeah. only death of a person, like a death of a situation you're in, yeah, right? A death yeah. of you and your daughter living together. Yeah, a relationship. Yeah, yeah a relationship, yeah. right? A death of... Death of ideals. Yeah, yes, exactly, right? A death of tradition. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, but it's not necessary, and this is why I, I picked the word time. And I, I want you guys to, I want you guys to talk before I... Um, just keep talking forever, but... <laughs> uh, but the reason why I like the word time over death... Because when people think of the word death, they just think negative. And for some good reason, it is yeah, like... They only think of physical uh, death. Yeah. They think of physical death, but they think of only negative, right? Yes. It's like something bad happening. Yes. But time has a, at least a little more positive aspect to it. But yes. to me, they're very, they're very similar words, right? Like, the reason why we feel like we're running out of time or we have time is because we know eventually we're... Not only we're going to die, but we know I have to go to sleep at some point today. Yeah. And, you know, my body's going to break down if I don't sleep at some point. So this day is going to end at some point. Yes. You know, so I'm running out of time, literally, even today. Yeah. Yes. Right? So uh, that's why, I like, Ozu makes you think about these concepts a lot of ways. Right? Like, yes. what are the relationships in your own life? And are they, where are they? Are, are they almost ending? Or are they just starting? You know, stuff yes. like that. Like, um, in ways that I think only film can do. Yes. But... Uh, the word time, like, does anything come to your mind that you guys want to say when I mention About that? Ozu? Yeah, about Ozu and time, really. Well, just, like, time leading... Time, time not even being, like, just death, but time is just... It's gonna sound corny, but it really is, like, the flow of time is just death and rebirth. Like, that's all it no, is. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's what, I mean... All of those his movies are basically about. Yeah. No, is like had... I, I know we've said this in multiple and, and probably multiple, maybe every episode. But like, he, something has to die for something new to start because he shows that in all yeah. basically all of his movies. Yeah. I also think about how we've we've talked about as well, like how his his movies really don't exist outside of the time that they're in. Like, there's no flashbacks or anything. Mm -hmm. Or like, mm -hmm. yes, you know, yes, like, yes. It's, it's all very much in. No, it's there. very much forward only, right? Yes. Like, there's no hope of a flashback that's going to save you, yes. you know, or anything like that. Um, 
and I forgot to read it last week, but Ozu did have a quote when he, talked, when he said what early summer was about. Um, and it kind of goes with what we've been talking about. He said, quote, I wished to po- portray the cycle of life or mutability rather than the action itself. Right? So rather yeah. than any one character's... Uh, even when we say, like, the movie's about a daughter getting married, it's never only about the daughter no, getting yeah, married. It's, it's, a, it's about, about how is that affecting everyone around them, that daughter. Yeah. You know? And uh, I watched... This documentary is on the Criterion Channel. That's amazing. I highly recommend called I Lived But. Have you guys seen that on there? I haven't, I but I saw but. your Twitter conversation about oh, it. Oh, okay. so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, because it's... I guess they brought uh, Ozu's cinematographer back to film it. Oh, so it's filmed okay. a lot like uh, Ozu film and stuff. It's, he's interview, he interviews a lot of people that work with Ozu. Damn. And like he goes back to like his high school friends and stuff like that, too. So awesome. like basically his, all, of his, uh, all of his career... Like, because one of the people that shows up is Kinoshita. Because yeah, okay. uh, Kinoshita was a Shoshiko director, too. Yeah. Studio director. Yeah. So he worked with the Under Ozu when he started oh, out. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that. That's cool. Him and... Uh, I, sense, I think I mentioned Shoei Imura, You did. Too. You did mention him. Right? Yeah, both, yeah. Of them, both of them were interviewed in it and stuff. A lot of the actresses are interviewed. Awesome. Uh, but he, they mentioned in that uh, Koganada, his, uh, you know, a writer, basically, from late spring onwards, uh, mentioned when they were writing An Autumn Afternoon... That the way they started writing the movie was, they would write this. They would basically figure out what the daughters wanted and her needs were, and then all the other characters would be based around that kind of central idea. But, but that's kind of what I was saying is, but it's never about that single character. Yeah. You know, it's kind of about everything that affects. You know, that how that ending affects. Everyone. It might start from there, but they're thinking about everyone involved, not just uh, not just where it starts. Yes, yes. Because a lot of movies would just stop there. Yes, and. That's kind of why I like the word time, um, kind of to close it off rather than just death, is because uh, time is implies that there's more than just death, right? Like you're saying, there's yeah. rebirth too, right? Like when something dies because of time, that means something's starting again. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I wanted to read a quote that I was I was saving it for this episode, but it's about the vase uh, that what, what he wrote about the vase and kind of his interpretation of it. Okay. So, uh, quote. The vase in late spring is interposed between the daughter's half-smile and the beginning of her tears. There's becoming, change, passage. But the form of what changes does not itself change, does not pass on. This is time, time itself. A little time in, pure, in its pure state, a direct time image, which gives what changes the unchanging form in which the change is produced. Basically what he's saying is that last part is, time is the thing that doesn't change. But it, the definition of it is everything that inside it changes. Yeah. You know? Um, and honestly it just got me to think like Ozu is the classic example of that right it's like his movies are not depressing because in every moment where you see something ending even the characters are a little more aware of there's something new starting like this kind of has to happen you know it's not just it's not like a melodrama where everything's ending but everyone's just crying about it or something or like you know they can't accept that it has to happen you know it's like the characters have they accept it more yeah you know so well I mean like that there's that quote in early summer where it's like Noriko saying, I'm sorry, I broke the family up and her brother just saying, It's it's not your fault, it was inevitable, basically. Like Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they I, all knew it was I, about to ha- they all knew it was gonna happen eventually. So. Yeah. Or think about the the what the dad tells to Noriko at the end of late spring on their last vacation. Their kind of conversation. Yeah. Uh, when he has like the Nietzsche book and everything. Yeah. And he tells him like basically tells her like this has to happen, you know, like uh, and this is kinda this is kinda before we get to the movies, this is maybe my last point is this is why Ozu's movies give like basically it's 
it's basically why he's one of my favorite directors and why he, I find him so inspiring is um, that he sees like and late spring conversation is a great example of when she he's telling her basically uh, if you get basically you can't be scared of starting something new because that's you have to create you have to create happiness yourself and the only way you can do that is by starting something new you know yeah. not just be you can't just have the same old way just because you're comfortable like in that same way you know and I think uh, Ozu's movies without with would still be extremely realistic still shows that you can still have some kind of hope in the future you know yeah and uh that's kind of what i love about his movies is because when you describe them on the surface they sound depressing or they sound like melodramatic but then when you actually watch the movies they give you more hope of you can there is still more happiness in the future that you can't create yourself yeah. you know um but yeah is there do you guys have any thoughts on that before we go to the movies uh Last thoughts? No. No. You said it very well. Thank you. Very good. All right. Okay. Equinox Flower, his first color movie. Is there anything that comes to mind? Uh, Like, what do you guys? What what would you guys like about this one? Well, I really liked how it's basically about the hip hip hop. He's looking at the hypocrisy of the older generation when it came to marriage now being uh, free choice marriage being like now a thing in Japan. Like, she's showing him from the angle of this father, hourly, if it's not him, if it's not someone he's close to, he's completely fine with it. But when it comes to, if he's affected by it, then he's, like, closed off and he's very, like, traditionalist. Mm-hmm. Which is something that happens a lot with, like, a lot of things nowadays, too. Yeah. Like, uh, like racism and all this stuff, you know? Like, it, 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 you don't... You, you're fine with it until it actually affects you, basically. That's mm-hmm. probably what, what my, my favorite part about it, yeah. No, because I remember, I think I said this maybe last week, a couple weeks ago, about how there's, like, in a few of those movies we watched, how there's, like, a character that is telling the main character to still get married, even though their marriage is going badly. Yes. That kind of hypocrisy, you know? Yes. <laughs> and it's, like, very similar to this, his situation, too, where he's, like, a modern man on the outside, where he's, like, you know, giving the speech at the beginning, where he's, like, I wish I had had a marriage where uh i had a love marriage too instead of an arranged marriage yeah. yeah but then when his daughter wants one like you know all of a sudden he's against it and everything yeah, yeah. uh so basically that kind of double-sidedness you know yeah. uh what about you blake what, what comes to mind with it no i love that daughter? too but i just love the i love the female characters in this because we have a like a variety of them honestly my favorite one might be <laughs> might be uh <laughs> the uh uh the girl that like plays the trick on him yeah yeah oh yeah she's <laughs> because she's dance, like you know? Like, it's, it's so weird because, I mean, obviously Oza knows this, but she's maybe the most modern of the girls, but she's also maybe the most traditional because she doesn't want to get married. She wants to stay with her mom in the end to, to like, protect her. She's also the only one wearing kimono the entire time, basically. Like, she's, like, I don't know. He's, this there's sounds a lot. like a very similar theme, though. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is, but it's, we like... We said this about uh, Noriko, too, with late spring. Yeah. But and it's... early summer. It's just, a, it's also a fun movie. Like, it's not, it's very lighthearted. It wasn't as lighthearted as I was expecting. Yeah. So. Honestly, uh, or, I mean, it was it was more lighthearted. This one is definitely, it definitely is. No, that's why I yeah. love this one a lot too. Because um, like, the things that would normally happen in maybe like one of his more like drama- like melodramatic movies, like the father would actually maybe not go to the wedding <laughs> at the end, you know. Yeah, but like, yes, yeah. I just love how he realizes like that that trick really made him realize like. I'm yeah. being an idiot, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> made, made him look at himself. Basically. Made him look at yeah. himself in the mirror, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask, maybe we'll have to say it, but I don't know. Do you think he ever has that full realization of, I was being an idiot? 
Because to maybe me, it's not the more full, like... Maybe not the full one, because ego... I guess we can talk about it now, because I was going to mention one of the themes of the movie that Bordwell pointed out that I wanted to mention uh, before we got into it is... Basically, he says there's two different aspects or phases of the father's drama, and he is kind of like... Uh, this is what this gets into the even though every film is about a daughter a lot of films are about a daughter getting married every film is about a different aspect of that to some degree and this one is more about how the father directly deals with a daughter that doesn't listen to him yeah you know Um, but basically he says there's two aspects of that drama basically the first is allowing her to marry who she wants which he does Um, he really never he kind of is against it but he never basically forces her to be you know he never stops her really yeah. Well, then, I mean, he does, like, lock her in the house, basically, but... He doesn't lock her. He says, you're going to decide for a day. Like, he... Basically, to me, I read it as more... He's trying to show all the power he can, yes, yes. knowing yeah. he's... At the end, he's not going to be able to stop it. Uh, yeah. If he, if he can, basically, he can't do anything about it at the end. Um, but he says the second aspect of it is... Um, how does he, how does he rec- reconcile with the fact that she did it without ever even talking to him about it? Yeah. And that's what he says really hurts him at the end. It's not only that she's getting married to someone that they didn't pick this, but she never even t- tried to talk yeah. to them about it or anything, you know? And like that kind of goes with the whole, uh, aspect of Ozu's films that are, they are about very personal things that go on in human relationships, but they're also kind of about the whole idea of, uh, modern modernity, leaving a lot of traditional aspects behind, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like the dad is a good example of basically he's helpless of modernization happening of his, his daughter, basically getting married to who she wants doesn't even have to talk to him about it and it still happens and he still has to go to the wedding yeah and that's kind of how i see it is i never know i don't know if he has that full-on realization of oh my daughter i should let her get married he kind of just like he gets tricked and he's like they kind of got me you know (laughs) oh they got me and he lets it happen (laughs) and uh but then he says he doesn't want to get married uh he's not going to go to the wedding yeah but i guess should we save it for the end, maybe? Because we're going to... A specific... Yeah, we can save it for the end, I guess. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll just say it now. Because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm already in the middle of my thought. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, the reason why he decides to go to the wedding is not because uh, he has some change of heart. Is appearances. If he, yes. it's Remember when they're at the golf... Like, they're playing... He's playing golf. Yeah. And his friend has a conversation with him where he says something like, Oh, don't worry about it. I'll walk her down the yeah. aisle. You know, it'll all be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he comes home and he's like... He well, tells he, his yeah, wife. Yeah. He's like, it's not because I want... I want. It's not nice. He even says something. Like, it's not uh, because so I want to go. All our friends are going to be there. Be there. Yeah. And to me, it's like it's almost like he's saying like it's almost like the reason why he didn't want her to marry just this random guy is because of what his friends would think. Is the same reason he's not going to the wedding. Is because of what his friends would think. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. it's like he's never. It's not. It's not his own choice in either case. That's how I see it. But I don't know. You guys could disagree with me about that. No, I don't fully disagree with you at all. Yeah. I think, I think, I do think deep down he does want only want his daughter's happiness. Like I do think that's that's the reason he ends up going, because we see like later on, like the very last scene is him going to visit them. Also, yeah. basically but, but because he was tricked. Yes. but that's the, that's what I'm saying. Like deep, he doesn't ever fight against this because deep down he really wants to do it. It's just he needs this to happen, basically, because he's such a proud traditional man, basically, yeah. is how I see it also. It's kind of both, but, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely both. Other, yeah. It's like, definitely both. I mean, yeah, he's, he's pointing out the stubbornness of the older generation yes, while yes. also... But to me, yeah. it's more like he's... It's not only they're stubborn, it's like they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, so it's almost like... Like, uh, Bordwell points out, you know, the song they sing at the reunion. Yeah. Apparently, it was like a very famous patriotic war song put out. 
Um, it makes sense because he ends it like whenever they're winning still, and I'm, and then they say like, why don't you finish it? And he doesn't want to, but when they oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah but because I want to know how it ends. I don't yeah, know how the it song, ends. Yeah. but they end like during like a victorious part of the yeah, song, yeah, so it makes yeah. you think that like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't end, it doesn't end well for, in, the, in the song or something, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, because the reason why I uh, wanted to bring it up as a war song is like. The, the the Bordwell points out how it's it's kind of a funny scene in terms of they're singing this old war song of uh, they want this traditional past back kind of thing like we're talking about tradition in general they kind of want this old traditional past but they like basically you know they drink coke and they play golf you know yeah. they do a lot of western things now uh, and it, it just kind of reminds me of just you see this all over the world you see this in America you know where like we you know literally Trump's slogan was make America great again yeah you know this uh, this glorified past that we think of. But we still enjoy a lot of the modern stuff anyway, you know. Uh, but, damn, I kind of lost my thought of what I was going to say before that. But anyway, I was going to mention, uh, before we go specifically to the movie, is Ozu, he, another point of why this, he, I think this movie is about the father specifically, is Ozu had a quote was, um, quote, for the, about the father, is, when his daughter is taken by another man, the father's jealous and he feels something physical and prim- primitive. And it's um, it's a kind of funny way to look at the movie, but it's like it's more of a it's like that's why I think what you said earlier is correct about it being a lighthearted movie is um, it's kind of that ask that kind of take of a jealous and primitive father, yeah, but in a comedy setting, yeah, you know, and it's like that's why I think that whole helpless aspect is such a big part of it, even to the very end. Oh, and okay, I remember what I was going to say um, that the, the with the very last shot of him going on the train after he's been tricked yeah. by uh, tricked again, th- yeah, tricked yes. again. <laughs> The reason why I think it's so funny is he's singing that patriotic war song from earlier. Yeah. But, like, you would think of a traditional war... In war, you would think of being sent off by, you know, generals or something. But in this one, he's been sent off by three women. Yeah. You know, and he literally has no control, you know? So it's kind of like almost Ozu, like, poking fun of this is the modern world, you know? Like, back yeah. in the day, uh, men were being sent off by, you know, men, but now they're being sent off by women, you know? Uh, and it's on a train, too, specifically. Uh, you know, because... Ozu ends a lot of his movies on by train, yeah. just constantly like they're basically the symbol of modern uh, yeah. modernization for him. Yeah. But yeah, is there uh, anything else specifically that you want to mention? Anything specifically you want to mention about Equinox Flower generally before we go in? Before we go in, <laughs> I, I should mention the color. Is there anything specifically about the color? Because this is Ozu's well, first well, color I, I, movie. I is there anything that stands I, out about I the color? I said it earlier, but like if it's like. He's being like more naturalistic with it. It's not as like eye poppingly like obvious. The color isn't like as eye popping like pop it doesn't pop out. Except for red. I will say the red teapots. Yeah. The teapot the pops out. Yeah, he uses a lot of like Well, because the teapot is the thing that where you were talking about earlier about objects moving, I know it's the teapot it moving. Probably because yes. it was red. Yes. But yes, but, like he uses a lot of, like a lot of wood, like wooden color in this. Yeah. Like it, it Well, I feel like in, in autumn afternoon and stuff it's like He's like overloading it with it, which I'm not saying is a bad thing at all. Like, you know, there's I can see it's amazing. Like, but it's no. a difference. Yeah. Uh, damn. Oh yeah, there was a in that I Live But documentary. There was this. They interviewed a cartoonist that was friends with Ozu, and he said uh, he was the one that got. I don't know if he says he was the one that got Ozu, but he talked about a conversation of how he got Ozu to do color, basically, or a conversation he had about it. And he said, uh, first everyone. He this is what he told Ozu. He said, first, quote, first everyone went to sound. Even Chaplin came around. And now everyone's using color, too. It's time. Stop holding out like that Chaplin did with sound. Make a color film. <laughs> make a color film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what, got Chaplin, that's what got Ozu to make color. And he was right. He know, was right. Because, yeah. you know, Ozu was, 
I guess he held he held out with not he held out with sound too. Um, he yeah. didn't want to do sound well, right away. Yeah. Was that was that well? Just, that was just Japan was that Diggy Chaplin though. No, he was just saying how Chaplin held out with sound. Okay. Don't be like Chaplin with color. I'm saying I don't know. Like, is, is he digging him though? No, I don't. I don't think so. I hope not. Okay. That was uh, <laughs> but I think we can start getting to the movie. Uh, the movie starts basically. There's. I have it in my notes, kind of like five sections. So uh, you'll have to. If I skip anything, you'll have to go over. But basically, the first part of the movie starts with. Uh, we kind of mentioned earlier with the father at the wedding giving the speech yes. and this is like it's fun to go back and talk about an Ozu movie going backwards because when you're watching it I mean have you guys this was this your first time watching these? yeah it was, my, it was my second time but did you remember like the story kind of like what with the father with knowing what's going to happen with the father before, as he gives that speech uh, we, I, I my first time or you talking about my first time yeah, or this time either one uh, well this time I already knew okay like, you knew so happen, like that's like, yeah. Because if you had forgot or if you didn't know, you, you watch the father give the speech of, you know, he, he seems like a more modern guy. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, uh, you know, he's literally giving a speech about, oh, I wish I had a love marriage. Yeah. And he kind of, it seems like a kind of a dig at his wife or something, but... That guy's a little bit. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I would have done different things differently. Uh, it's also it's also kind of a bit jarring to see, like, a, a, fi- uh, a bit jarring to see a Ozu movie being at a wedding, like, actually at a wedding, too. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we get an Ozu wedding, but yeah. it's, well, it's actually not a wedding; it's a reception. So, okay. but still, yeah, you're right. We don't even get a reception. With yeah, play. it's like it's it's definitely interesting. Oh, there it is. Um, no, and another interesting part about this first scene is we get uh, I don't know if you remember a shot at the hall. Like Ozu has a lot of hallway shots like this, but there's one of there's a mountain and a picture of a mountain. Mount Fuji. Uh, but that's the Shoshigo oh. logo. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of his homage to Shoshigo. Uh, but then that kind of what leads us to right after is the friends drinking together but yeah the reason that why they're drinking together uh, why, why the scene is important is we learn that Shishu Ryu who's a friend in this one uh, we learn that he didn't come to the wedding because it reminded him too much of his own daughter that uh, basically I don't know if she's she's not run away because she's a doll but basically they're not talking because uh, she is, chose her own Husband, yeah, she, or uh, boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and this is kind of like a good example of, basically, I've mentioned in some, I think, a previous episode is how Ozu loves parallels, where he like yeah. kind of like compares two relationships or two couples or something like that, or you know, three daughters or whatever. And this one, it's uh, the main father that has um, his daughter that has to get married. But before before we've even been introduced to that main plotline, we've already seen one daughter get married. We already have another character who uh, has his own daughter that's basically run away from him and is living with someone else, basically having his own daughter issues like this. Yeah. So, like, basically he's kind of, like, showing... Basically, the way I see it, and maybe you guys see it differently, is, like, it's like Ozu likes showing these kind of threads of... Almost like he's saying these could have been their own Ozu movies. Like, you know? Showing there's, like, like, a like, wide variety. Yeah, it's a wide variety. Like, yeah. this could be a different Ozu movie that's if we chose these characters. Because, like, I'm pretty sure it's... I'm pretty sure it's an Equinox Fire, but it might be an on afternoon. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Especially with these minor scenes, it's easy to get confused. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's in this one where he, uh, the the father, when he's at his work, he talks to one of his employees who says she's also has to get married. Yeah. No, no, she. Uh, he talks to a woman, uh, an empl- employee of his. She says another employee is getting married, and then he asks, "Why aren't you getting married?" And she's like, I'm, "I can't get married. I still live with my father." 
and oh, I, he okay. needs me. Yeah. I'm like, damn, look at that. That's exactly like that would be in a different Ozu movie. We, yeah. The camera would follow her, you yeah. know, her story. I see. I you know, that, yeah. pretty sure that happens in both these movies. <laughs> it, might happen, it might happen in both. Well, because uh, I know in um, Afternoon, he asks the secretary, You need to get married because you're 20. Or he asks her how old she is, and she says 24. He says, Oh, you're the same age as my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that does happen in both movies at least. But <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, it's not surprising. That's what I'm saying. No, yeah. There's always these kind of similar things happening. Yeah. Um, but that kind of gets us to the kind of the. There's already quite a few scenes that's already gone on. That's kind of what I'm talking. When you said earlier about this movie being more lighthearted, it's kind of like he spends his time on the exposition of getting to know these characters before we get introduced to the crux of the movie, which yeah. is um, they want their older daughter to get married. I think they talk about it at the house before she comes home, and. It's already hinted at because the younger daughter... They have two daughters. Yeah. And the younger daughter says something like, I'm already, I am already know I'm getting a love marriage. I don't need you guys' as help. Yeah. And <laughs> the father... He could have said... You would think, like, if he's more traditional, he would say something against her. Yeah. But he doesn't say anything. He just, like, basically... It kind of ignores her. Yeah. And they talk about... Uh, the oldest daughter in this one is named Sisuko. They talk about her marriage instead. But then she comes home and she basically tells them... Uh, actually, does she... Has she told them already... I don't know. Actually, she doesn't tell him in this one, I don't think. No, she never tells them. In this one, the guy comes in and confronts the dads. Or doesn't confront him, but like basically asks if he can marry his daughter. Yeah, so she hasn't told him yet. No, yeah, she doesn't tell him anything. The way it's hinted is that it was with the youngest daughter. Yeah. yeah. But they're just talking about they need to find someone for her. Uh, But no, the reason why I like this scene, though, is uh, because the the scene ends with... I haven't talked about it yet, but uh, Kanoyo Tanaka, uh, she's the mom in this one. Because she's in a, she's oh, in yeah, a yeah, few yeah, Ozu yeah. movies, but she's the mo- I, I kind of I love her character in this one. She's great in this one. Uh, but she she has a she has a funny line at the end of this one because the the dad says something like he has to go to his uh, worker he has to go to a work funeral tomorrow or something, and he says and she says something like it's so confusing one day on a wedding the next day a funeral, and it's like yeah. that just like describes Ozu in general. Yeah, you know like that that that's o- that's Ozu in general like he shows both. They're the two constants. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know? but they're the two most. Literally, like I've said about death and time, like those two, at, those two events are like some of the biggest events in a lot they're of people's like, lives. They're like the know? gates of each, like yeah, gates exactly. of life, basically. You know, yes, like, like. exactly. Um, no, but uh, basically, yeah. So we still haven't, we still don't know that she's getting married, or she has basically a suitor already who she yeah. works with. Um, but then the next scene is, uh, which is kind of funny, is we're introduced to. In my notes, I called her the hospital woman. But I don't know. She's basically from somewhere else. I don't know how she's related to them. If you know, but you know what I'm talking about. Oh the yeah, kind of, she's the kind mom. of she, the talkative yeah. one. You know, the one who's trying to set up her own daughter. The mom, yeah. the mom of the daughter that I was talking yes. about before yes. that I liked a lot. So. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. we should. I forgot her name. She's so. an innkeeper. I know that much. Okay. Where he where he likes to go and stay. Yeah. Out, okay. But, okay. In the country or yeah. wherever it is. Wherever that is. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, she comes to visit him at his work. And it's really funny how like. It's really funny how they're introduced because they're kind of like small moments, but at least I noticed at this time is because uh, they're talking for a little bit first, and she's kind of basically telling him what's happening and how she's trying to set up her daughter and everything. Yeah. And he says something like, "I have to go to the bathroom," and it shows a long scene of him walking out. He tells uh, his assistant to get uh, get the woman some coffee or something, and he just walks into his own office. It and then it shows him just start working, and it hangs on him for working a while, and then it cuts away. Yeah. Basically, basically, he lied to her like to get away from her. Yeah, uh, oh, it's so funny, God. dude. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure the next scene is. Uh, 
So basically, it's kind of implied, at least in my head, that she's known as like kind of like a talkative, annoying woman. Yes. Because yeah. the next scene is her. Not, now she goes to visit um, the mom, yeah. Tanaka at home, and she does something really similar. Where when she comes to sit down, she's like, "Sorry, I had to go to the bathroom first. I know how much you talk." Yeah. And her laugh is so funny. Like I, I recorded it. Um, <laughs> that's not creepy. I no, it's not creepy because it's so funny because she laughs like she laughs like the polite laugh where like you know if you're laughing if you're not listening to someone yeah okay, where she yeah. laughs and then her face like gets silent she it gets still when she realizes what she said okay, and then yeah. she just changes the subject really quick yeah oh it's so funny too basically like just little moments like that where like you can see how characters uh, relate to each other just based on you know what they we see stuff that uh, maybe the other character doesn't see right after. Yeah, you know, like him going to his office instead of the bathroom or something. Uh, but yeah, the. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean, it, it, well, I've skipped over a lot of stuff, so I don't know. Like, I haven't skipped over that much. I don't right. think. Yeah. Okay, so then maybe maybe because uh, it does cut from the mother's talking, it cuts to the the, the daughter's talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. basically, kind of uh, setting the parallel. There's like, they're yeah. they're kind of talking about there's they're they're having the same problems. Yeah, they're setting yes. out the yeah parallel. Basically, of they're both dealing with the pressures of marriage, and they're trying to deal with it in their modern way, you know, yeah. their own ways. Yes. Um, but yeah, that, that's where they come to the agreement of. I guess this is like the closest Ozu will come to giving us a hint of something later, a foreshadowing or something, where right. they 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 say, okay, we'll come to agreement of to help each other no matter what. And this is supposed to be our foreshadowing of you know when the, she does trick him at the end. Yeah. You know this is this is this is why this that plan that the reason why that happened basically. Uh, of the friends agreeing to help each other like this. Uh, maybe uh, for a more general discussion before you keep going to specifically is, do you do you think the daughters are disrespectful to the pa- like to their parents or like especially with the tricking? Of I the just father think they're and young and like. I sort of just think feel I, I I take it as they're young and they. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would just say rebel, but like, they want to do their own thing. It's not just like, yeah. Like, do you think? Do you like? I think most people when they would watch it, they would take the daughter's side. From what I would yeah. guess. I mean, yeah, yeah. But do sure. you think there's anything wrong with what the daughters did, especially her, basically lying to her dad to get married? Not never really. really it, any it, I, I thought it was more just like him, her showing his hypocrisy. Yeah, his hypocrisy, basically, like trying to. Yeah. It's also just more so yeah. like. It's this is a, this is a more lighthearted movie, but like in a different Ozu movie or something like that, you'd like this would be like the father's wake up call. Like, why can't the daughter tell me this? Basically, you know, like that she's like dating someone, which I'm pretty sure that's something in Tokyo Twilight, maybe, where Chishiryu, like his daughter doesn't tell him anything because she doesn't yes. trust him with anything, and he asks why, basically, yes. and that's like something that in a in in a movie like more melodramatic like that. The father would think in this but that's i think what ozu's trying to say like he's trying to make us think like why can't the father see this basically yes, like yes. like why why can't he see that but oh yeah, yeah or like yeah. why can't the father see like why the daughter isn't telling him anything yes basically yes yes yeah just kind of because like it's, it's implied that she tells her mom at least yeah she, the, the mom or maybe knows, not i don't know like because the mom well i mean i'm pretty the mom because I know, I remember the scene where the father asked, did you know before, the, yeah. did you know about this already or something? Yeah, and she says no. Yeah, I don't think she's, yeah. She kind of is the But then she's also, the, she's the in-between that also helps, or she's like taking, 
I like the parallels between her and the daughter because you can see exactly why she's taking her daughter's side on everything because she's like because their marriage is obviously a forced marriage or an arranged marriage arranged not marriage. forced yeah, yeah. but like an arranged marriage and while they don't have the worst marriage ever like it's obviously not as happy as it could be yeah, yeah. and she just wants she doesn't want the same thing to happen to her daughter yeah right. so that's I do true. I honestly that's, that's, that's why that's why I think the daughter has at least told her mom things because there is differences, like, with an early summer, it feels like most of, both the parents yeah. are more on the same side. Yeah. And in this no, yeah. one, she does call, even she calls him out, like, basically, oh, basically stating that what times. we've been saying is how she, he's a hypocrite, basically, yeah. saying, like, you're being inconsistent, and he says something like, only the gods are consistent, you know, yeah, that's yeah. what life is, a consistent Yeah, story. well, and whenever she's telling him about, like, she's literally basically telling the dad about, um, what's the daughter's name, Sesco? About her boyfriend saying how good of a guy he is, and then the dad's like, "How do you know him so well?" So that's that's just another thing that makes me think like she's met him more times than she's let him on. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like or or she just like cares what her daughter says and takes that into, into more of an account than what her husband says for her life. But and to me, like uh, this is why I think she's. Uh, I've I've said this throughout the episodes, and I wanted to mention on this one too. So oh, there's to me, there's always a character that's kind of. They, they are more aware of what's happening more than anyone, anyone else. Yeah. And to me, she's that one. She's the character in this one where it's... I don't think she's fully on her daughter's side. Because I think she is still disappointed about her daughter not telling them about who she was going to marry and stuff. But I do think she's not on her husband's side all the way either. Yeah. In terms of like... Yeah. The way I see it, she's kind of more... She's just accepted that this has to happen. This is, It's basically going to happen already. You know, like yeah. the daughter's already decided. Like there's no point in us fighting it. Yeah. You know, we might as well just you know, try to be on their side, too, and help them. And that's why, uh, there's, like, this, this next, this is kind of where we are in the movie, anyway. This next scene is, this is the last day out, the vacation scene together with them on the side of the water, where they're talking about, basically, she says something like, I kind of miss the war times when we were all together. Um, because, like, she, they mentioned something about when they were bombing, they had all had to huddle together and stuff. Yeah. And she's out, she, she says how she misses that kind of past. And he says something like, I don't miss those times at all. Yeah. Um, at least we're way more comfortable now. And it's kind of one of those moments where they're all, you can see why they're both right. It doesn't come to a resolution of uh, that one of them is right, one of them is wrong. It just ends with, you can see why she would miss those times of them all being together, you know, when they're when they're little kids. Yeah. yeah. But you can also see what he's where he's coming from of, but it was, you know, there was a war going on. Yeah, we were being and, involved. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were being involved. We didn't know where we were going to have food and stuff. Yeah. And... At least we're way more comfortable now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's one of those things where they're kind of both right. That's just life. You know? Like, yeah. it's... You can't have it all all the time. Well, you, um, and you could also... You you only really remember, like, the good parts of yeah. life when looking back, basically. No. Uh, and that's why Bordewell points out this scene later with the... Which makes it so funny with the last scene of the reunion when they're all singing about the past. Yeah. And what makes it so funny with him specifically is when he's talking about his family, he says he misses the war times. But when he's with his friends, he's, like, singing about how great the war... You know, he kind of... He's nostalgic about that past. Yeah. You know? So, really, he kind of has that same nostalgia that she does, too. It just... Maybe he just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's what's powerful about film is, like, we can talk about... And I, I like talking about it, too, because I like having these thoughts, like, come out about when I'm watching the scenes. But there is something powerful, but just just watching them two sit together while their two daughters are boating, you know, yeah. off in the yeah. distance... It's, it's just this feeling of the, there's just this feeling of you can tell it's the last time they're all going to yeah. be together like this you know yeah and like when she, she even gets up first she stands up by herself uh, the wife does 
and then he gets up and stands right next to her, and then they both wave, and just like, yeah. just like it's it's like a brutal but a beautiful moment at the same time. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a allegory for what's about to happen to like, yeah. you know, the, them voting into life. <laughs> going on, a, a, you know, but to me that's why to me one. that's why it doesn't even feel like al- it, it, to me it doesn't even feel like allegory because uh, it feels like the characters are aware of it too. Okay, you know, like. That's especially her. Like she sees that this is their last time together and everything. Okay, I can you know, see that. yeah. Because uh, I think he even says, I think it might be in the previous scene. He says something like, "I kind of want to go golf or something." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that that golfing is actually significant in both movies too. Yeah, it's kind of that. Basically, that's what the leisure activity of the business, uh, modern business, the the salary man is. Yeah. You know. Uh, now we'll save it for autumn afternoon. But Borwell says how kind of how like an autumn afternoon has Ozu's like upgraded version of the salary man film. Especially with the older brother, uh, with his golf clubs yeah. and everything. Yeah. You know? But okay, to get back to Equinox Flower, uh, this is kind of where it's revealed after that last day, that, and I'm kind of and I'm glad I didn't get that, get that confused. It's only revealed after. I'm pretty sure. It's, yeah, it's only revealed after that scene that the father finds out. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't know before. Yeah, he doesn't know before. Yeah. So he only finds out after when the the fiance comes and asks. He basically says, I have to think about it, but he's really just against it. Yeah. He confronts the daughter at home. Uh, and this is a crucial scene, because it's kind of like... I mentioned it at the beginning when I was talking about late spring, uh, with when the father at the end, where he says something like, you kind of have to create your own happiness. You know? Uh, happiness takes effort. That big speech. It's another twist on that, where she tells her father in this scene, she says, uh, why can't I find my own happiness? Yeah. Basically, and then, I, and then she says, I'll find my own happiness without you guys. Yeah. And to me, like... I think that's what Ozu's trying to say, at least that's how he saw it, was one of the significant changes between the modern world and maybe the more traditional Japanese family was the modern world says you don't need your family to have that kind of happiness. You yeah. Know? Like, in some ways, it's kind of telling you to leave your family to go find that happiness. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it's not telling you that on the surface, and it's kind of telling you, about, like, telling you that in terms of you have to move away from your family, you know, like, it's hard to be around them, like... Well, it's not even, like, hard to be around them. It's just, like, you don't need them as much yes. because there's even, a lot of opportunities yes. in Tokyo like, think about how, to live by is, yourself or to, like, make it on your own. So. Like, think about just, this is all true or all around the world, but for most of civilization, your family name meant something because yeah. that's how you got a job or something. Your family name was known with your craft. Your status. A lot of your, or your, your social status. Your, your job, literally, yeah. a lot of yeah. times. You know, like, that's how you were known. So it was important to have that kind of traditional aspect. Um family aspect to your who you were as a person but the modern world kind of breaks that almost and says like in a good and bad way you could say i don't think osu is saying it's good or bad necessarily he's just saying that's what the modern world does right it's saying like uh, a lot of kids in that time could say i can find my own happiness without you guys you know yeah um and these and the films are kind of about the f- grandparents and parents having to deal with that reality yeah, that's why I think the scene is so, it's so good because I think there's actually another scene where they also have the same kind of fight. Because uh, yeah, it kind of goes the way it's structured is they have that conversation. She gets she leaves angry. She goes to her boyfriend's or her fiance's house. They kind of they basically kind of resolve and still say we'll be fine together kind of thing, and then they go back. She goes back and uh, she tells him basically, uh, I have my own plans, and he says, uh, what kind of plans? Tell me, and he says. Even if, she says, even if I did, I don't think you'd understand. And that's kind of like, maybe just another aspect of, basically there's this kind of, there's this gap that both sides can't come across almost. And 
to me, I see that almost as the train representing that, you know, so almost like the modern world is leaving behind certain people behind, like uh, certain traditional aspects behind and traditions leaving behind can't even see, you know, uh, why, or, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense if you guys see what I'm saying, but okay. no, I okay. <laughs> uh, so. no, but the next scene is it's, it's probably, it's maybe my funniest scene in the movie to me. That's what I want to mention is, um, and it's also a bar that's in both movies. It's called the Luna Bar. And it's where he's interviewing... By the way, this I just had to defend myself, I feel like, because last week I said, this is like why I wanted Tokyo Twilight to be at least that one section in colors because of this fucking shot here. And the, and the fucking shot in uh, Ananam Afternoon of just like the neon lit of like bar streets. Just like just these side streets. Know. That's what I wanted lit. That's why I wanted yeah, color. Yeah, like, right. Jesus Christ. No, you're still like, wrong about that. Never. Tokyo Twilight, black and white fits, though. So. No, black and it's white it's fits. It's the most fitting black but that and white. But that, that one street that she walks down, Tokyo Twilight, I <laughs> wanted to see in some Just, just, just pull, like, an Obiyashi and just, like, randomly have that in color. Like, exactly. <laughs> just, like, it'd be so out of place, but why not? Like, <laughs> but why not? <laughs> no, but uh, the, uh, the reason why they go to this bar is he's uh, talking to... Uh, I think it's one of his employees that he that says he knows who sh- his daughter is marrying. So he wants to talk to him about him, and they're they're like he has so this long funny. conversation about like. Uh, I mean, this seems so. Basically, funny. he says they play basketball together, and he's like, he's basically asking him who he is and stuff, and all he yeah. can say is like what he's like on a basketball court. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, of it, he's like, do you even know this guy? Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, I barely know him. We just uh, yeah. He was like a delivery. It's like we just I went was to school guy. together, basically. Yeah. No, no. He says uh, he was he worked at the office. I was just a delivery guy there. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but so this funny. whole scene's so fucking good just because, like, he's obviously a regular there. Oh, yes, that too, yes. <laughs> but he doesn't want his boss to know because, like, how would you... I mean, I wouldn't want my, want my bosses to know I was, like, a regular at, like, a bar or anything. Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's just it would so just be awkward to sit with your bar alone, uh, with your boss alone yeah. like that at a bar. Uh, yeah, because yeah, the waitress is, like, trying to, like, act like he's a regular. He's, like, he's like trying to... He just, like, gives, him, like, stares daggers at her just, like, talking or, like, stop, stop. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, okay, these kind of tie together, because he does, there's, like, so it's, he goes to Luna Bar, there's a scene of him coming back home where he basically argues with his wife. Um, and it's kind of a funny moment where I think, I think it's Ozzy, like, making fun of the father, where he's, like, he basically yells at his wife and he says... Uh, I will not allow this wedding under any circumstances. He says, he says something like that. He yells at her, and then he basically like takes off all his clothes where he's just wearing like his underwear, yeah. basically like, all his underwear stuff. And uh, <laughs> but it plays like some kind of. I'm pretty sure it's patriotic music. I don't remember what kind of music it is, <laughs> but it's basically kind of like making fun of him, like where he's like walking around like a general. But he's like basically knowing what's what's going to happen in the end of the movie, where he's just giving this huge speech of how he's not she's not going to get married and like yeah. you know he's going to like put his foot down. Just knowing how the movie's gonna end and everything that happens right after that point, it just makes yeah. the, that moment even funnier. Yeah, knowing this time, I mean, yeah, and yeah, the music is just like funny, really, really funny. Oh my god! Uh, no, because then uh, this is where it comes back to. Uh, it, this is where it comes. Back, this is my favorite part of the movie, or the funniest part, anyway. It's, Maybe not my favorite, because so it cuts back to him coming to the bar again, uh, alone this time. This uh, this guy who's been hiding from his, who wanted to hide from his boss, that he comes there. Yeah. And, uh, he basically, he orders, he doesn't, he's like, um, he doesn't think anything's gonna happen. And then the camera, the camera cut, this is how, this is why Ozu's cuts are so amazing. Because the fact that, you get used to the fact that every time Ozu cuts, you know something is gonna happen. Right? It's not like, uh, like like in a conversation between two people in most movies, they'll cut, even if the one person's talking a long time, they'll cut back and forth on the faces and stuff a lot. But Ozu... 
Every time a new, he will always stay on an action until it's completed, or a dialogue from a sentence until it's completed. He always stays the same person. Yeah. So in a situation like this, when we see him drinking in close up, and then it cuts to a shot of the door behind him uh, with him still drinking, you know something's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably like I, I don't know if you guys guessed that the boss is gonna come. Oh out, yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of have to, but it's yes. like this is like Ozu going to his comedy roots. You know? Yes. But basically, this is what makes an Ozu cut like that amazing. It's because you know something's gonna happen that he doesn't know. And then we see the waitress kind of look at his face. Uh, she kind of she looks at him like, oh, shit, he's not even looking still. Yeah. And then when the boss comes in, like, we do, we see him, uh, he turns around and he, like, makes it shocked. And then the, <laughs> and then the boss, uh, or the father says to him, like, oh, you're here again? Yeah. And, like, just, like, if you're, if you're just hiding from, you're trying to hide from your boss that you drink a lot, and then uh, you just well, randomly see just your boss Well, it's just so there. fucking funny, because the conversation he's having with the hostess, because he's going back to being all chummy with everyone yeah, in there, yeah. like, he's back to his regular <laughs> oh, self, yeah. and then she's like... You're not scared he's gonna come back in here? He's like, no, he'd never come back here. He'd never come back here. Yeah, he's like he's like he a man like him would never be caught here again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it just cuts right to like right to him right behind him. It's so fucking oh funny, man. <laughs> No, no, oh, no, it's not good, because... I mean, like, and in theory, that, like, that doesn't even seem that funny, like, when you t- say it out loud, like, yeah. if somebody hadn't seen the movie, but, like, I don't know, it just makes it work, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, he does. Uh, <laughs> um, and it kind of sets us up, though, too, for the main thing that's going to happen, and why this movie is more lighthearted, even though it still deals with the same kind of themes, is... So we get this kind of, you know, minor, minor com- comedic bit, but then uh, the next actual major scene that happens is the actual... Uh, trick that happens is when well we uh, we have missed his conversation with chishi ryu's daughter too haven't we because that's also kind of a major part that's actually during this part oh is it okay that's actually that same scene because that's why he comes back the second time yeah yeah yeah. she's working she works there because like that's one of the things that uh because it's an important part later on where chishi ryu's talking to the dad and like they're talking about like have you met have you seen your daughter again because that's the whole reason he went there the first time is is saying like he wants to see you and Chishiri was like, yeah, she's doing better than I thought. And, like, they basically reconciled. And, and that's... I don't know if that, if that, like, gave the dad some hope. Because I don't remember exactly where in that... I think it was after the wedding that they that they had that conversation. So yes. I think that was meant to give him some hope and kind of what maybe, like, led to him also going on the train. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, like, this conversation with her and just basically him asking her how she's doing. Because, like, it's, it's so weird, the parallels on this. Because he cares more for, like, his friend's daughters than he does for his own, it seems like. On the, like, like, yeah. Uh, at least, that's kind of the theme, uh, I, I think, of a lot of Moses movies. But it's very specific in this one is, uh, it's, you know how when a lot of people will say, it's easy for me to give advice when I'm talking to someone about someone else, but it's yeah. hard for me to apply in my own life. Yeah. Like, this yeah. movie's the classic yeah. example of that. Where he, like, it does literally seem like he cares more about, or he's more objective, he's more rational when he's helping his friends out with his daughter's problems and stuff like that. Yeah. But he's very emotional when he's dealing with his own daughter. Yeah. You know? And that's basically another, just like a, a film example of that. Um, where I think Ozu, uh, it kind of, and that, that maybe leads us to this, uh, the, this basically, the, I called it the scheme or the plot, yeah. uh, the, the trick of the movie. And it, I think it's kind of like a meta commentary of Ozu saying, like, this is what Ozu's movies itself do. You know? Where they basically, you can see them as tricks to get you to think about your own life. Okay. You know? Yeah. Where if you use characters that are similar to our situations, or make, that make them think about our own situations, ideally they would get you to think about your own life. You yeah. know? Because yeah. uh, that's what film is. Like, Ozu, like, Ozu understood this. Is film is a very at the end of the day, it's a very 
fake medium. You know, it's not. It's like yeah. you're presenting everything. You know, you're still building everything. Yes. That's why every all of a sudden perfect. Anyway, it's, he's not trying to say these. Are, this is real life. Yeah. But it's like supposed to feel like real life or make you think about real life. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. like uh, that's that's you know maybe a conversation for another day. But we talked about that with Fleeny. You yeah. know, of realism versus. You know, literally real. Yeah, I think we talked about that with Bertolt know? too. So. No, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, no, but the scene is great too because he says something like, "She goes on this long thing about how basically describing the same situation yeah. the daughter's in, and she, uh, he ends it like, yeah, then just do as you wish.' You know, you don't have to listen to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of amazing because like, it's something that's very believable too. But when you actually watch this guy live his life, we've kind of we, at this point we feel like we've let, we've watched him live his we yeah. live his life. You know. We, we kind of get who he is. Yes, exactly. How he is at work, how he is with his yeah. friends, you know, how he's at home, you know. Uh, but yeah, so then when he, when he gives that advice, then right after that, the trick is revealed. It's like, it's kind of, it's, it's so perfect. It is. Because uh, it does, like, I, I still remember the first time I watched it. It definitely shocked me, too, when she says that. Yeah, no, it didn't be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the best part is, like, he's so shocked he can't even do anything. Like, that's what it feels like. Like, like it feels like he wants to get mad. But he's just like can't. He's like damn. Yeah. Because he's like they got me. Yeah. Like yeah. they fucking got me. Yeah. Like. yeah. No and no because th- that's kind of the whole point of he's in this modern system and he feels more modern because he realizes it with other people. Yeah. He's giving her the kind of modern advice of yeah you know that you would expect yes. right. So he kind of understands the system already. But then when he, when he gets tricked like to that degree, it's like he like you said he's kind of helpless. He just has to he has to accept it you know because yeah. he understands it still. Um, it just. Do you think I don't I don't know like I think it's because he understands that it's because of the system he's in that he has to help. It's not like he ever wants to. I mean, we're, we've come back to that point that we were talking about. Yeah. This. Do you think it's like? Do you think he ever has that realization? That, oh, I was a hypocrite. Now I see my daughter is good. Or she's mm-hmm. right. I well, think it, he understands he is deep down, but he yeah. still is holding on to that pride. Yeah. That, throughout ego, the rest of the ego, until that, I honestly yeah. think he's holding on to that pride. Even until the last scene where he gets on the train, but even, even that, like his wife basically telling him on the phone, "You're getting on the fucking train." And like, the same, that's, and the same that's basically girl, him giving the up. The same his girl pride. basically yeah. uh, starting that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I feel like that's basically him giving up his pride at the end. Like I think, I think he wants all this to happen. Honestly, he would have rather it happened like with his daughter actually trusting him, and him to enough to like tell. But I think deep yeah. down he realizes he was a hypocrite, and yeah. yeah. But yeah, but I, I think I, he's I mad think about it. I think he's mad that he got he got tricked like this though. That's the yeah, thing. I don't, I don't and that's why I said yeah. that there's that two aspects yeah. of it. It's the first aspect of it is uh, he doesn't want his daughter is getting married to someone he didn't pick. Yeah. But the second is she didn't even tell him about it. Yeah. And this yeah. is the only way they could do it is through trickery, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's why I don't feel like it's a clear resolution of oh yeah. now he accepts it because oh, no, it does yeah, have to happen through trick yeah. for him to do it. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And then uh, well, it's, it's kind of like late spring how. The father, the only way he got his daughter to be married is through a trick, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Sort of or was it a trick? There. No, it's a trick. Yeah, yeah. Or was it, it a trick, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Damn, well, no, we had that whole conversation in late spring. Was it a trick or was it not? But... Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. I mean, when does the father Yeah, because like, we, we, we had that same thing mind, where yeah. the father, I will, I will, where I thought... He wanted to get married until he saw Sitzkahar's like reaction yeah. to, yes. to him actually saying that. Yeah. But yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's kind of what I love about his character is, is there's just he always leaves it at that level of nuance. Yeah, you know, there's not any scene yeah. where the character gives you what's they're actually one way or the other or fully on one side or something. Yeah, 
he's still taking the train, but it's almost like you could start. You could even start an Ozu movie there. You know, yeah. where they're going to visit Dot or something. Yeah. Um, Tokyo Story, Story 2. Tokyo Story Tours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. <laughs> You'd have to cut a few years, maybe. They have a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a kid. Uh, Tokyo Story 2, Infinity War. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we kind of talked about the ending, but I'll, I'll kind of briefly go through it as... Uh, there's, a, there's a great moment. I, I love this moment of uh, Kaneo Tanaka. She's at home listening to the radio again. I... I is it like no theater or something or maybe it's kabuki i think i think it's kabuki yeah probably kabuki because uh, yeah. she's kind of like dancing around she's yeah. like da- it's like her version it's like an ozu's version of dancing you know because it, there's it's so funny because when you when you notice like how ozu's movies characters are basically all very rigid yeah for the most part you know they they all they're all very straight they only move in certain yeah. ways and everything very exact yeah. they never so, like run or anything I no i never even thought about you, that like there's a few like Maybe they're just like walking fast, but that's a like, yeah, they're biking. Like, yeah, we're biking. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, but very that's why in this one it stands. There's actually one moment in each movie that stands out, and this one it's her like at when she's listening to the radio, she's kind of just moving. You know, she's jamming out. And, like, <laughs> the, the, the way you, I didn't know people jammed to the Kabuki Theater on the radio, but like you know that was I mean, that was actually good to know. Yeah, that was bro. good to know. Though. Get on like, the wave. What? Catch up. No, but, <laughs> no, but it, it's because uh, there's one. There's a moment on autumn afternoon that really stands out with the in the patriotic patriotic bar scene with the the kind of the navy guy he meets. But he actually gets up and he yeah. starts dancing. It's like that's like really rare to see an Ozu. Oh movie, yeah, but like yeah. a, a guy they're actually all just, like dancing. It's almost like he he started. starts doing that without Ozu's approval. Yeah. Almost, <laughs> you know, uh, like suspect him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but he left in the movie, so um, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, basically, they the, we already talked about that conversation between her and the father about how he he's basically being inconsistent and you know not being uh, he's not being. Uh, Consistent, I guess. I don't know what word she uses. It might just be consistent. But that's when we we see him golf. It's a great song. It's a great music. It's great music when we see him golfing and everything. And that's when he talks to the friend. We've talked about all of this. Where yeah. uh, <laughs> basically he decided to get mar- married. We'll just skip to. Uh, we talked about it, the end of the beginning. You know? We did talk about the end. So, <laughs> did we talk about the reunion? slightly because we talked about the the song that they yeah, sang we did, already we did, but we did. Uh, I don't know is, is there any last words then you guys want to say about the ending because we did kind of talk about the ending already uh, is there any last words you guys want to say amazing ending no yeah I love the ending I mean yeah. I just love the trick again I just love that they did it again so yeah because that I, I really do like I said already I really do think that it is like the dad maybe like not willingly giving in, but like kind of like going like this is where it's going. Like life moves on, you know. Like time go, time goes on. Like you said, like the trains move on. Yeah, like the trains move on. I don't it's know. Like he has to give in. Like well, like what you said about like the train like leaving behind tradition. Like it's kind of kind of what it symbolizes at the end of this. Like he's getting on the train. You know, like yeah, he's got yeah, exactly. like that itself is like exactly. him leaving his tradition behind. Yeah. So literally with the train. Yeah. Going to visit his daughter. No, that's a that's a good way to put it. No, I agree. Uh, but yeah, that's Equinox Flower. <clears throat> Amazing title too. Oh, great! Amazing yeah, title. title. Amazing title. Is there is there a significance behind it or? Um, one well, Equinox is. Let me see. A, it's a space thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Constellations, it's, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It kind of sort of signifies the like end of something, seasons. Right? Like the, the changing, season. the, I think changing of seasons. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I remember. I knew I had my notes somewhere, but uh, uh, apparently <clears throat> it stands for 
the amaryllis flower, which puts out clusters of red blossoms. And that's why there's like little accents of red everywhere. Okay. Yeah, definitely the teapot's that's like one of those most famous yeah. shots. Uh, the teapot. We see a couple times. I mean, it's a great shot. Like there was that one shot that just sitting in the corner. I'm like, okay. What does it mean? What's the symbolism? I have no idea. <laughs> teapot. Teapot. <laughs> but uh, okay, we'll go to a, an autumn afternoon. That was his last movie, and I think we we kind of talked about it earlier about how it doesn't like at least in my opinion. There are aspects of it that make it feel like Ozu's last movie. But to me, yes. it's just like another Ozu movie. You yeah, know? In a way, just yeah. Like uh, another chapter in Ozu's movie, yeah. uh, career. And the reason why I say that is... It, it is weird. Like, I think if you ask a lot of people that just watched... Like, they didn't know much about Ozu. But they just watched Tokyo Story for the first time or something because they saw it in Sign Sound. Yeah. They would probably guess, like, that director, when he made Tokyo Story, was like in his 60s. Or something. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. but he was not. Like, he was, I think in his 40s or maybe early well, 50s. Okay, well, no, so 53, Tokyo Story, count 53. Uh, 62, so nine years later. So 51. 51. 51. 51. Yeah, that's so, not that yeah, long. No, yeah, no, that's yeah. not that long. Like, for some directors, that's their prime. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, That's kind of what I'm saying. That's what I feel about this movie, too. Where it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like that old person movie, necessarily. Okay, yeah. It's more that Ozu just ha- dealt in these kind of themes that people associate with old people movies or something. Yeah. Or like uh, end-of-life movies. And But Ozu has those themes in his early movies, too. You oh, know? Yes, yes. Um, that's what... That's why I don't feel like it's more a swan song more than just... I feel like a lot, of, a lot of Ozu movies, you could say, like, are good last movies for a director. Like, he's just, like, he just, yes. he's just that way, you know? That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. He, he has... There is an uh, aspect of nostalgia in Ozu, for sure. Yeah. But it's not, like, just, like, giving in to nostalgia. You know, it's kind of a little more detached nostalgia, at least in my opinion. Okay. And that's why maybe it feels like that, too. Because, like, yeah. you maybe think about if a director's making a swan song, they're kind of looking back. Yeah. You know? uh, so maybe that's why. I see, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he is kind of looking back. Like, that like, is significant that this is basically a remake of Late Spring, but... Yeah. Remake? I mean, it's not like it's eh, kind similar. of. Yeah. Similar, yeah. All right, it's very similar. similar. I mean, it's like remade, but basically just. I mean, yeah, there's, little, I, there's, there's little shots that are like, it, like I've seen videos, clips, and videos of like people putting this in late spring, certain shots from each movie, and they're like the exact same. Oh yeah, but that's the thing you can do with a lot of those movies. That that goes with the he filmed the shot everyone the same way. Not okay. Camera position same way. I feel like with this one, like, it's a little. It's like more obvious. This so. one, it's it feels like late spring, but just only focused on the dad and not as much on the daughter. Or like the dad, the dad is, and his friend. He's ma- oh definitely yeah. yeah. Which that's definitely a fair part about this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, other than the color too. To me, I I, I kind of disagree because I do think the daughter is more involved than you're saying. And there is some. Uh, well, maybe we'll get to it when we're specifically talking about it. But there is some aspects to her that are very similar to Noriko too. Um, just kind of with her, we well, really she, don't fully no, yeah. we don't fully see what she thinks about the situation. No, yeah, that's why I'm saying it's a lot like late spring. <laughs> yeah, but you were saying it was more about the father, though. That's what I'm. Yeah, no, it's not. No, I mean like the story's still definitely about the daughter, but in terms of like whatever I'm comparing to like late spring, it's obviously way more. Okay, okay. In, in terms, of, it's fair. like way more. It's following Shishiryu this time. And to me, it's not only about Shishiru, it's also more about uh, the brother, too. The older yes. brother that's also married. who just gotten married. So, uh, watching it this time, their relationship stood out to me way more. I'm kind of just... I don't know I don't know if it's specifically what gets her to make the decision that she's ready to get married. But there's like a moment... There's a part in the movie where she goes to uh, give the money that... 
the brothers the brothers asked the dad to borrow money and so she's come over to bring it to them and when it's basically that scene where she basically kind of watches their relationship where they're basically uh basically deciding that where he where she, the wife decides that he can buy the golf clubs yeah yeah and to me it's like that scene is like important in terms of like basically in her mind thinking like she could get married you know she could do that kind of you know she could live this life you know where yeah. basically the wife doesn't control the money and basically everything uh but yeah um let me see if there's anything oh yeah there's some general points i wanted to get to before we get specifically talking about it is so the original title for this movie at least in japanese or i guess the literal def- uh, title is uh it means the taste of sama uh and sama is a variety of mackerel which is a fish which is a type of fish yeah um but yeah, so the taste of Sama. I like. I guess I like uh, an autumn afternoon way better. Obviously, it just feels like a more. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a definitely one of. The it's one of those situations where, like, if you knew Japanese, it would make more sense in the context. For sure. Honestly, yeah. I mean, also, I just like. I like the. Uh, would you call? It, is it called alliteration? Where it's all the words are the same. Start with the same letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alliteration. Yeah, is that what's called? I don't know. I don't know. I'm talking about the literary term for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I like that in the title. No, uh, and Bor- but Borwell points out that this title could make sense. Like, uh, one of my favorite characters in an Ozu movie, the Gord, in this one, <laughs> yeah. the uh, the, te- the drunk teacher, yeah. basically the whole time. Uh, he says when they're eating like octopus for the first time, he says he's no, he says he's eating octopus for the first time. Yeah, and so basically like that, I don't know, like he, he connects that. To, that's why it would be a good title for this for the movie too. Kind of like tasting that for the first time. Mm-hmm. What did that okay. kind of taste, you know? Gotcha. The, the feeling of tasting something for the first time. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, Makes but yeah, he talks about how... Um, there's also another parallel. There's another central parallel in this one, too. And this one is between... Uh, uh, okay, actually, let me read them off, because there's actually five. And it's actually... There's it was, actually five. It's actually... <laughs> no, because I remember I said Equinox Flower with the boss uh, who talks to the employee at the beginning. It's actually in this movie. Yeah. So... Okay. Uh, well, because yeah. he because uh, points puts it out interesting where <clears throat> he says in the first scene alone we get to like four or five different parallels to uh, what the main daughter's going through. So he says in the first scene uh, we learn that uh, the Hiriyama is the dad's name in this one. Uh, Shishiryu's character. We learn that his subordinate's getting married to someone else. We learn that the secretary is unmarried, but she still lives with her father, and that's why she's not married. We then learn that uh, Shishiryu's friend has found a prospect for his own daughter. And then we learn that, this is where we learn that the friend, uh, that their friend, when they go to the bar later, he's also married a, a young wife yeah. that's around his daughter's age. And then also, uh, we learn that, a little, this is later on in the film, we learn where the war, you know, the war uh, veteran he meets, the guy that he trained during yeah. the war. He says that the guy, that guy says that his daughter just got married too. So basically it's like, it's almost like Ozu's trying to like put into the main character's face just as much as possible of, like, you have to marry your daughter, you have to marry your daughter, you know, just, just everything that's going around him, almost. And he wants the audience to get that same kind of feeling, you know? Yes. Uh, and I did. <laughs> oh, you definitely do. Uh, it's, it's especially with the beginning, when he's at the work and you see it, like, two separate times, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, let's see if there's anything else I wanted to mention before we started. Um, oh, yeah, Borrell mentioned this, too, and I, that's kind of wanted to mention it uh, specifically, is that's why I think... Rewatching it this time, uh, the daughter's name is Michiko. Michiko. And I think, because I've seen this three times now, the first two times, 
I really I did think it was more Shishu Ryu's movie than her movie, kind of yeah. like how you're saying. But this time watching it, it does feel like more to me. It is kind of even, at least very even, if anything. And the reason I say that is because watching this time, uh, and Borwell pointed this out in his book, he says how she gets the same kind of, uh, he says, oblique narrational treatment. Well, basically, you know, that kind of basically mysterious treatment of how he treats a lot of his uh, main heroines. Yeah. And he, he points out late spring, early summer, equinox flower as examples of where we really never get exactly what she's thinking. Yeah. Any time in the movie, you know? Okay, Because yeah. there is, like, there's a moment... The key moment in the movie is where uh, they have to tell her that the guy she wants to yeah. marry is already getting married. And then she kind of, like, puts her head down. You think she's really sad, and then she puts her head right back up, and she says, she's like, okay. She goes into her room, and then the brother comes and says she's crying. Yeah. So, basically, she's already trying to hide uh, from them what she's feeling. But then when it cuts back to her in the room, it basically just, like, it shows her like, with a tape measure or something, and she's, like, just wrapping her hand, and then it ends like that. You know, we never get any thoughts of, like, is she okay with marrying the new person? Like, how is she feeling? She never, like, airs it out herself or anything. Nothing like that. Like, a usual movie would do, yeah. No, no. But yet, it's her whole... That marriage is how the whole movie's based on. Yeah. Yeah, she's, like, in some ways, she's the most mysterious character throughout the whole movie. Yeah, so, yeah. And watching through Ozu this time, he's noticed that with a lot of his heroines, so just why they feel so that's why they feel so unique in film history to me is like they kind of have that uh, mysteriousness about them almost and I realized this uh, this is kind of off topic but this is one of the reasons I really like uh, Kinoshita's Carmen's Innocent uh, yeah. I love too because it's like almost in his own way like this kind of mysterious heroine aspect you know where you don't really get everything you don't get the reasons why they're doing everything yeah you know you don't even get reasons into their thoughts a lot or any thoughts really you get more into the you get a lot of uh ideas of what the characters surrounding them what they think about the main character but you really don't get into the main character themselves yeah that's kind of love uh but is there anything that comes to mind when i say that like do you guys agree with that no i agree with that whatever whatever i was saying it's more like shishi ryu's movie it's just in terms of screen time primarily because it's definitely (laughs) it's definitely obviously about the daughter as well but I also, in terms of that scene that you were talking about, whenever Chishu Ryu comes up, I thought that he was going to comfort her, <laughs> but he just comes up saying, so do you want to meet the other guy? <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, they really... They're yeah, like, like, <laughs> it's kind of just emphasized... Uh, I might have mentioned this, I think I mentioned at the beginning, how an autumn afternoon is kind of significant in, uh, in terms of, like, in some of the other movies where we get a lot of the family shots of, you know, the family eating together and stuff. Yeah. And Autumn Afternoon has none of those shots. Yes, yes. Almost like Ozu saying that kind of period is already over, even though the characters are still living together. You know, they're yeah, already yeah. kind of apart. You okay, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, now we're just watching it really come to, apart physically, at least. Damn. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to mention generally about the movie before we get into it? Uh, uh, Borrell pointed this out, and that's kind of how I'll talk about it. Uh, you'll have to, if I forget like anything, you'll have to mention, remind me. Is talked about how this movie is really uh, strict in terms of basically um, the cycles it goes through. In terms of, it usually shows Shishu Ryu as the main guy, and it'll basically show his day of ma- usually starting at work, and then he'll go to the bar or something. And then he'll go home, and then he'll go to sleep, and that's how a new day or a new cycle will start. Yeah. And there's like five or six of them in, it, in the movie. 
But once you, that's why his movies feel so like realistic. Is you get caught in those cycles with him. Yeah. You know, like it's just like almost the every day of he goes to work, he goes to the bar, and then he goes home. You Tokyo know? Twilight kind of does that too in a way. Yeah. I mean, maybe not as like. Do we get work structure? shots? Do we see our work? Yeah, work. Well, I was mainly thinking of like how like the structure of where yeah. the places are going to rough and like and like yeah. yeah like there's always like a certain constant throughout the mm-hmm. throughout the days yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, I mean, the first cycle is just, uh, I have is, um, we see the friends, uh, at the bar, uh, for the first time, and this is where we meet, uh, like, why do you think Ozzy puts this character in here of the friend that has, his married a young wife? I think that's just, that's, like, literally supposed to be Chishiryu, well, first Chishiryu going, like, maybe I can marry that young girl that he meets at the bar, but also him going, like, shit, if I don't marry my daughter off, she might have to marry a guy like this, like, (laughs) Because yeah, at a certain point, like, because that's what he's worried about is like he's waited too long to find her a suitable exactly. husband. She'll have to marry like someone that she doesn't want to, or like that might have to be older than her or something like that. Because to me, it's more like, and that's a good interpretation. I didn't even think about it like that because I thought about it from the other way of uh, it's almost like it's like the thing where they see that friend as doing the thing that they didn't have the courage to do almost. Oh yeah, that too you for know? sure. Yeah. Where they're like they don't want to admit like they're jealous of him. That's why they keep asking him all these kind of, like, questions, you know, basically about his sex life, but they don't want to say it, you know, so they keep kind of hinting at it. Uh, But it's almost like, because they, uh, the scene, like, the scene where it ends where, I think the wife, yeah, the wife comes, and he says, like, oh, sorry, I have to leave you guys early. Um, You'll have to get mad at me later for it. And then when he leaves, uh, the friend, the other friend says, I wouldn't want to end up like that. But they both just, like... They just both silent. They just they stay silent after that. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. almost like he's that was a line. <laughs> uh, at least that's how I saw it. That's that's why I think he's there. It's almost like he's like it's he's like the like Shisha Ryu's character in Late Spring if he would have got married, remarried. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, it's like it's kind of like what you said in like Equinox Flower. It's like that could be another Ozu movie in a way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. No. Exactly. Because. Uh, there is even a part where, at the end, where Shishiryu, it reminds me of a scene in Late Spring, where uh, Shishiryu uh, tells his friend that you're starting to become a little dirty to me. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's like something in Late Spring where she keeps calling him dirty for getting remarried. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's why, because I, I, so, he's not that man of a character, but it's just like, no. I want to know what you guys thought about why. Luke, do you have any specific reason why, or you just think? Honestly... I mean, I think both of you guys are, like, right, basically. I mean, like, I think it's kind of both of them. I sort of feel, I sort of think I agree more with Blake, honestly. It Blake's more I reasonable. Both, I, I think, think you're right. Yeah, like, like, yeah, both of you guys are definitely, like, right in some way. Well, I think you're right. But there is a there is a certain there is a certain moment later on in this movie where Chishu Ryu... Well, it's actually whenever they play the prank on him again, where they play the prank on him this time, like, where he lost the prospect, his friend's prospect, because the other friend... Was thir- was first or whatever? Like he came in first. They play that prank on him yep, at the bar yep, later. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> because that's like that's what it, that's whenever I first, whenever it kind of clicked with me. Like Chishiryu got really worried that he was gonna have to like hit, hit, no one was gonna be able to marry his daughter. Basically, yeah, with the prank they play on the end. Yeah, it, it's like a little cruel. Almost. It is a little yeah. cruel, his reaction but, for sure. Oh yeah, the yeah. reaction's bad. <laughs> no, because uh, no, my reaction. Um, Watching it the first time for sure, I remember being like, "Damn!" Like I almost, I'm on his side. Like, oh, yeah. like, now he's really fucked because he already feels bad for uh, 
basically not letting her get married in time where he lost she lo- loses the guy she wanted to marry yeah that's kind of how it's implied like it's both his fault and the brother's fault yeah well it's not even implied it's just like even even the friend goes like I wish you would have told me sooner yeah, damn yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly no cause that's also another yeah there's a lot I guess that's another similarity with late spring too right cause the guy yeah. she wants to marry is already getting married yeah and he um, also kind of wants to get her so. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it's like I wish I would have known sooner yeah uh, but I think what you're right how you're right about the uh the reason why that friend who has a young wife is there is because that kind of parallel commanded to his own daughter is the next kind of in the next cycle I'll say is is the scene where we meet the Gord for the first time. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is during the reunion where they have the reunion for. The, I, I just like saying the Gord. It's like it's oh, a great it's, nickname. It's a, it's a great nickname. Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny when they're because like, they're asking about the different teachers and stuff if well, that he remembers and they all have nicknames like yeah. the Badger and stuff and uh, damn I wish I would have put it down my nose but. Because Borwell says, like, some of the names, like, specifically the Badger, but I think maybe some of the other names, they're actually names for teachers from some of his early silence. Like, there's actually a teacher, I think in There Was My Father, the teacher's name is the Badger. They call him the Badger or something. There's also another, there's also another early Ozu silent that has the Badger in it, too. But basically, uh, yeah, he's, Ozu's more self-referential than we give him credit for. Even though his all of his movies feel self-referential in some way. Like, the same, there's the same themes and stuff. He is literally, like, one of the more self-referential okay. they're just it's just so over it doesn't even feel self-referential it's just like that's Ozu you know? yeah, yeah. That's a good point. yeah. Uh, no but that, that's why I think uh, the Gord is because the Gord says his daughter um his daughter uh, yeah basically his daughter never got married yeah and so it's like it, I talked about this with Equinox Flower but he's also uh it's in this one too where he's basically Ozu does in some ways he puts it very clear in your face what the movie's about. You know? Yeah. Like, in this case, like, there's a little character going through, like, uh, what Shishi Ryu is scared of what's gonna happen to him if he doesn't uh, get his daughter married with the cord, who's literally, like, basically drunk all the time, and he's like, I should've got my daughter married. He, like, literally saying, I should've yeah. got my daughter married. Well, and the daughter... I don't, I don't know, because this is a... I'm pretty sure the daughter's played by the same girl that we... that's been in a lot of his movies, right? Um... Like the aunt, isn't she? She's in this movie. The she? aunt. The aunt of like in like in like uh, late spring or I know like, what you're talking about. Yes, story. Yeah. Isn't that isn't she who plays Which her in this movie? She? The daughter of the Gordon. Yes. yes yeah, she right. is yes, because yes, like yes, yes. she. It's it honestly well, gets that scene yeah. where they take her back. Oh, where, where, oh yeah, yeah. Where uh, they take him back. Yeah, because this house. is, I yes. think, where he where he really also doesn't want. He doesn't want his. He's not scared of like how he ends up. More so, it's, he's scared of like what his daughter ends up is again of like and how she's going to think of him if she stays like this. No, yeah. Because like it's, I feel like the Gord even implies that his daughter used to want to stay with him, but now it feels like she's trapped there basically no, and that's exactly what's going on his ha- in like Shishi Ryu's house in this movie like his daughter saying she wants to stay with them mm-hmm. and she wants to but like he doesn't want her to end up like hit the gore the gore yeah no exactly he doesn't want his daughter to end up hating him for not marrying her basically no exactly uh, like no and it's a brutal scene too because when like if you just think about all that dynamics in that scene where they bring the gourd home and he's like really drunk yeah and and it's like just it's as where the gourd is like sitting down or he's like laying down drunk and the wife or not the wife uh, yeah. the daughter uh, his daughter is sitting right next to him like basically basically kind of embarrassed and the his two students are just standing kind of watching and seeing like what's become not only his teacher but kind of 
there's basically a lot of emotions going on, right? Yeah. He's like, not only yeah. you're seeing your teacher like this, but now you're, he's thinking about his own relationship with his daughter and thinking, like, this could be me, you know, if I don't get her married. Yeah. But then this is what's significant is they both leave, and the camera hangs for quite a while on just the, the gourd, like, drunk, sleeping, as she just looks at him, kind of just basically, like, what, what she's lost. Yeah. And she just cries. You know, it kind of just represents what you're talking about, you know, like... It shows that real aspect of yeah. uh, her life. Itself it's too. the it's the, it's like resentment that might that wasn't there whenever it started. Obviously, because she wouldn't have stayed with her father if she ha- if she resented him like this. It's just a resentment that forms after you feel like you've basically been trapped, or and, something. And like this that. is why I think uh, this is what I was saying earlier when I was talking about the beginning of why Ozu, I find Ozu's movies inspiring is like. To me, this is Ozu showing the example of this is what can happen if you're scared of change. Yeah, yeah. you know, if you're scared of changing something because this is the way what things were and you kept it the same way. Because really what he's saying is you can't keep things the same way, you know? Like, think, yeah. like this is what happens if you keep things the same way. Things got worse. You're sacrificing you know, something yeah, by you're sacrificing, changing. Yeah, yeah, by resenting change or preventing change, you yeah. know? Um, you know, that's why, that's why I, it's, a, it's a really important scene in the movie, too. Yeah. But it's also important, too, because this is where we're... Uh, the gourd is where the Luna Bar is. Um, and this, I think... Uh, yeah, it's the next day where Shishiryu goes back to visit the gourd to see how he's doing and stuff. And I love this moment, too, because it's kind of like... This is like Ozu's version of a jump scare. It's where he just randomly introduces a new character that kind of, like, shifts your perspective. Where the whole time we're thinking of the relationships of the gourd is the teacher. Shishiryu is, like, the old student, yeah. you know? But then all of a sudden, when they're at the bar, it's like uh, this new guy comes up. And he's like, oh, Shishiryu is my captain in the Navy. Yeah. And yeah. so now all of a sudden, Shishiryu is like the old teacher. Yeah. And uh, he's the student. This new guy is a student. And so they go to drink. And that's when I was saying earlier, where the student also was like, oh, yeah, I have a daughter and she just got married. Yeah. So now Shishiryu like, is feeling more pressure of like, this guy who I taught, his daughter is already getting married. Yeah. I'm and behind. I'm behind. Yeah. And the teacher who was in front of me, like, he didn't get his daughter married. Look what happened to him, you know? Oh, so yeah. it's like. It's almost like that pressure of both sides. You're, like, literally seeing that pressure yeah. she's producing for both sides. Yeah. Um, but I also just like this guy, too. This is what I was yeah. talking about him earlier, too. He's a funny guy. Like, uh, this is where... I, yeah, this is the bar where they see the... Yeah, the wife. Or the, the, uh, the, um, the look-alike. The look-alike wife. Yeah. The bartender. The hostess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of... I've mentioned all the, There's actually a really great shot, too, of where we see all three generations, basically. Where we see the gourd... Where we see uh, Shishiryu, and then we see uh, the younger guy, yeah, too. Yeah. Basically, all in one shot. It's really good. And uh, Boardwell kind of pointed this out, too, and it, it's a good point. Where we, A lot of the movie is these cycles of Shishiryu every day do it, seeing what he's doing. But there's, just like, there's like one main aside with uh, the older brother and his relationship with his wife. And kind of their, you know, more modern marriage, you want to yeah. say, or something. So... Uh, what I love about this this whole uh, basically aside is with the golf clubs. It's where he brings the golf clubs home, and you know he has to ask his the fact that he has to ask his wife if he can buy them and stuff. It just like in some ways I think Ozu's trying to still show like he's kind of a kid, you know, because he literally the way he gets money from the golf clubs is going to borrow borrow from his dad. Yeah. And then he comes home and he has to give it to his wife, and she's the one that has to tell him whether or not he can buy the golf clubs in the first place. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like. Maybe just another. It's another take on that kind of what the mo- this is what the modern man is now like. Uh, yeah, in terms oh, for of sure. Women telling yeah. Uh, yeah. women telling men now how to well, spend money. Well, women telling men do. now, and also like you having to have your like your dad's still providing for you basically, even though you're married and now in your yeah. own. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're still kind of reliant on your dad's money to some extent. Yeah. 
No, and I just, I just love this shot of like, uh, <laughs> it like cuts to him like uh, just swinging the golf club as she's yelling at him. Yeah. And he just like doesn't say anything. He just slowly like swinging the golf club as, he, as she's telling him like you have to go take these back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. I guess during this whole golf side is he does say that, and then the next scene is where she, she uh, the oldest daughter brings the money for them, and that's when she sees uh, the wife be like, "Okay, you can buy these golf clubs now." Yeah. You're good. Yeah. And then You're the good. reason, <laughs> the reason why I said this, uh, she reminds me of Late Spring is it's really starting with this moment. This scene is when they're going back. She's going back home from their house. She meets the kind of uh, the friend, she, the guy she wanted to marry at the train station. And it's shot very similar to like something late spring where uh, the oh, two guys right. are meeting at the, they're staying at the train station and just talking, oh, okay. and you don't know if they're a thing or not. You don't even know how they feel about each other. And he says something to her like, uh, "Like no one knows what to think about you" or something. Because uh, he says something like, "Maybe I guess the modern man has to be meek now to uh, be happy to, for his to make his wife happy." Something like that. Like basically, you should be meek for your wife. And she says, "But not too meek." I'm and not too, what does meek mean? I'm sorry. Meek like. Humble, humble, you know, like, like a, a, yeah, basically humble, I guess. Yeah. Like a, not, basically not, like soft-spirited. Yeah, like yeah, not, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, basically like, I guess in the a marriage situation, he's saying like the husband Me. should give away, give away to the wife kind of thing, you know? Okay, okay, okay. It's like more like masculinity. It's like your yeah, tan, yeah. you know? Why yeah, because he, he says, the brother, the guy says like, hey, I guess your brother is like really meek towards his wife, you know? Uh, <laughs> And she she says something like you shouldn't be too meek, and he's like, uh, you're just too hard to figure out or something like that. I forget what he says exactly, but he's kind of just pointing out this whole point of like, she's not straightforward. You know, it's hard. It's not like she thinks about this one thing. You know, yeah. um, or thinks this one way anyway. But uh, the next cycle, I guess I have in my notes is uh, basically she Shiryu goes to drink with the gourd again, and uh, this is like kind of the central theme of the movie is, and you could say this in some ways. At least I've seen, like, in that I Live But documentary, there was a, a guy that mentioned this, where he says, in a lot of ways, Ozu's movies are about uh, kind of dealing with the loneliness of the human condition in some ways, you know, uh, or how we try to avoid it. And because the, the, the Gord gets really drunk, and he basically finally admits to, like, basically how alone he is. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. he says something like, life is all about being alone, even if you're with someone and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of just, like, to me, it's just kind of, Maybe the last kind of, at least in the script, to get Shishu Ryu to kind of accept he has to get his yeah. daughter married. And I think it's interesting because I feel like Ozu uses, like, has drunken confessions in his movies to reveal, as a way to reveal people's inner feelings, what they really feel, what they've been hiding. He says, in the end, we spend all our lives alone. Yep. <laughs> I, I wrote exactly. that one down because I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. That's just, like, another thing he, like, he's, he's using again because, I mean, he uses it in, like, Tokyo Story... And he, I think he's in a few others, but I can't remember. But the, like, what? Uh, Drunken Confessions, basically. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, honestly, this that's true with a lot of Ozu's movies, where you get, like, this is why he loves drinking scenes, yeah. too, because the alcohol is what's necessary to get people to go maybe more truthful to their yeah. lives, you know? To express it lowers the barriers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't no, know exactly. that yet because you're only 19. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I would yeah, never, I would never, would never drink I would never drink no, That's bad. Uh, I mean, it's you kind of reminded me of that. I think I mentioned how I, re- I watched uh, How's uh, Cafe Lumiere today. Yeah. And there's a scene in that where you can tell he got this from Ozu, where basically she has to tell her parents something serious that's happened, but they're all sitting, like, quietly because they don't want to say anything. Yeah. And then uh, 
but then they go to they go it cuts to her go uh, visiting her landlady downstairs or ne- next door and we don't know why and then at the end she's like can i borrow some alcohol <laughs> oh, we don't have any and then they go back yeah. they start drinking and then they, they get into the conversation they have to have yeah. and it's basically like literally what you're saying it's like alcohol is literally what releases the barriers all the time. yeah yeah and on a side note, you have to that another reason why you should watch that. And you said you saw my tweet, but another reason you should watch that I Live But documentary is there's a there's a lot of there's a few there's a quite a few stories of uh, basically how Ozu was around people and how how much he likes he used to like to drink. Uh, <laughs> there's they talked to uh, Koganata's wife because but you know how I said from late spring onwards they all wrote their scripts together. They wrote all their scripts yeah. together, and she goes through the process of how they wrote all their scripts Damn. and how like she said they would like. Um, I'm going off memory because I don't have this all memorized, but uh, she says how they would wake up at 9 a.m., they would uh, eat and then take a nap, and then <laughs> go, they would eat, <laughs> take a nap, <laughs> and then uh, they would go on a walk, and then they would come back, drink, and then they would eat, and then they would uh, light their scripts, and then they would stay up till 12 or something drinking. Uh, just a little after breakfast nap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I respect that. I respect no, that. That's funny. Too. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> like, wake up, uh, eat. Take a nap. And then yeah. Take a nap right after you wake up. <laughs> and then go on like a two-hour walk. Uh, no, but but what stands out is she just talks about how much they drink. Basically, every day while they're writing their scripts, they're drinking and stuff. Okay. Is, um, that, is that how he died? Is that contrary to how he died? Because that's a lot of drinking. If he did that, I wouldn't day. be surprised based on how they talked about it. But uh, but they never they say like he just he liked drinking. Basically, he was a very social person. Pretty sure. Uh, which right, is yeah. which is you wouldn't get that impression watching his movies or just hearing that he was never married or you know he lived his mother his whole life. Yeah. You wouldn't get that impression, but that's kind of that's why I would recommend the doc too because I did get a new kind of perspective of Ozu that I didn't know about. Okay. Uh, no, but that that's that's why we see so much alcohol in his movies too. Like he kind of understands the power of what alcohol can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love those scenes. So thank yes. God he drank a lot. Unless like unless it contributed to his death, then I can't mess with that. So basically, I mean, I, without I kind of wish there's a lot of stuff that happens. So I'll just go over quickly in terms of we find out that she can't get married to the guy she wants to because he's already engaged. Then they find late spring parallel. Yes, yes, late spring yeah. parallel. Um, so that's when they find this new guy uh, for her. We don't know how she feels about it, as I mentioned earlier. But this is where we get the kind of the like I said earlier. We talked about the cruel prank of. Where where he comes where he comes in he's like okay at least I have this guy for her and then the friend is like uh well we've already I already gave her to a different guy I gave her like, to my friend yeah, yeah, yeah to the she, friend she, she, <laughs> no 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 it was actually like yeah they were like they're like he's talking to to him and he's like is that is the other guy still ready to meet and he's like yeah yeah she's still ready or he's still ready and then the friend's like wait wait what about my guy <laughs> no and like uh, just watching this time like reuse face and everything like, yeah. He's like really panicking at this oh, point, yeah, you know. Like, and, and you're on his side because you're like, damn, he he should feel bad about you know uh, her losing that first guy. Yeah, you know the guy she wanted to marry. But then after he, if she lost this guy too, like you can like you could literally see his face. Like I, like you never see because Ryu is normally you think of him as the calm character. You know, you think of him as the kind of uh, yeah, just the more calm. Maybe the Ozu stand in a lot of his movies yeah. or something. But uh, in this one where he's actually like freaking out, you're kind of with him for a little bit. You know, oh shit, like. And it's and it, and that's why Ozu's uh, pranks actually make sense too because Ozu would do something like that yeah. where he would show this guy get married uh, all of a sudden getting married off screen 
to a new suitor and the guy, well the thing that out. the thing that mm-hmm. makes it funny is just because they literally pulled this prank earlier on their friend saying he died <laughs> like yes. it was so yeah. funny and like <laughs> which that one was yes. really funny but. No, that was really funny we just came over <laughs> yes no um, and you, and you connected that with like a miracle basically like. yes I've I've thought about that more like the way the reason I call it a miracle is th- it goes more with the detached perspective that Ozu has in his movies where you can do something yeah. like that you know where it's because it's not uh, the camera's never attached to any central perspective or anything he can show a moment that almost feels like a prank or a miracle depending on how you look at it okay like yeah. for Ryu in that moment it's almost like a miracle where now she can oh yeah now that, it is that, that kind of relate that emotional feeling of not having someone that's why he wasn't mad that they pulled sudden, the prank because end, he was yes. so relieved yes, <laughs> that, that was relief. that was that was yes. a prank yeah. Yeah. yes and that we literally feel that same emotion yeah. because we don't know that information already yeah, yeah. we've had that detached perspective yeah. um no but yeah uh, well and it really it really goes in to like the parallels in this movie really just make it hit harder too just like that panic the the all because all the parallels we've been seeing is like you either marry your daughter off while she's young or she has no options. Like, <laughs> like so, like, the panic hits us, too, because, like, we're, I think that's why we're just Ozu, as invested. I think that's why Ozu always shows the daughter that has to get married. Yeah. Because, especially in just society in general, it feels like that's the more significant <clears throat> one. Where it feels like guys are allowed to just not get married longer, you know, and kind yeah. of drift about and stuff. Like, how she mentions Light Spring. Um, well, that's early summer, actually. Well, yeah, whichever one where the 40 guy is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that kind of just cuts to the last part of this movie where we get this parallel to the last uh, wedding, the kind of, she's in her wedding dress uh, at her house in the room, very similar to Late Spring. Yeah. It's basically filmed exactly the same way. Yeah. yeah. And it's down to when she goes to bend, uh, bow down for to her, da- to her dad for the last time and thank him. She actually said, I forget exactly what she says in Late Spring, but she actually says uh, something in Late Spring. But in this one, she, he says, like, stop, stop, I already know. Damn. They say almost oh, like, you know, yeah, literally saying like, that. you've already said this in the uh, Ozzy movie before, literally. Because um, he says the exact same thing to her, be a good wife. Yeah. To her. Happy, he says yeah. in late spring, and then he says like, be a good wife and be yeah. happy. Yeah. Damn. He says the same thing. He's almost um, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And uh, the last, at least the last scene I want to talk, I mean, the last scene is very similar to the late spring with him coming home to a, an alone house, but his son yeah. is still there, yeah. which kind of makes yeah, it ironic yeah. too with, and I, at least in my mind, saying like Ozu's not as, not Ozu, Ryu's not as alone as he thinks he is compared to Late Spring because at least he still has a son there. Well, know? or it's just saying like a son's love is different than a oh, daughter's love. Oh yeah, that's also true. Too, yeah. So. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, no, that's true. Because the son, the son's funny whenever it's, whenever he comes home because he's like, "Go to bed, Dad." Jesus, like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, and he's like, yeah. He's like, like, I'll make you breakfast. He's in the like, morning, he's like, you've been drinking like, too much. Don't go dying on me. Or something. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's a funny but sad moment yeah, at the same time. Yeah, because yeah, um, Ryu's drunk too. Like he yeah, is oh, funny in terms of how that. drunk he is, but it is sad because it's like it does feel like Ozu is commenting on late spring a lot because it's like in late spring he's not drunk or anything. It's yeah. just like he's more straight up sad. In this one, it's like we have that same feeling of late spring with us, but he's still more. It's still more comedic and lighthearted towards it. Yeah, um, that same kind of last moment. Okay. But there, okay, there was one more moment um, I wanted to mention. It's actually the scene before where he goes to the Luna Bar one last time. Yeah. Um, where the the waitress that looks like his former wife asks him. She says, uh, "Where have you been at a funeral?" And he says something like that. Yeah. And it's that same kind of theme I've been saying over and over. It's like the wedding, the wedding, and the death, and the and death are kind of the same thing in Ozu's movies in a lot of ways. In yeah. terms of they're the ones that start something new. So just a different dress code. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, an odd afternoon, and damn, we're done with those two. Uh, yeah. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah, we do some questions or favorites stuff. Do you have? I don't want to rank them. I, I told you guys. Yeah, yeah just say. I'm saying them. your favorite. Do you have a favorite? If you have one, Tokyo Twilight. Okay. My favorite is either Tokyo Story <laughs> yeah. or An Autumn Afternoon. So. All right. Awesome. I I really do think An Autumn Afternoon might be my favorite though. It's fucking good, dude. I can't pick a favorite. So. Oh, it's hard. It's hard to pick. No, a you favorite. must pick one. At least this time, <laughs> I will say. Uh, Equinox Flower, I really loved watching this time a lot more, okay. but it just, I don't know, I can't pick a favorite. It's like a... They're all great. <laughs> maybe the way to put it is, uh, David Bordwell mentioned this in his book where, like, Ozu's movies, like, watching Ozu movies are, like, almost like watching just chapters in Ozu, you know? Yeah. Like, each movie is, like, almost just a different chapter or a different take, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why I feel like I can't rank them or I can't pick a favorite, because it's like... It changes if you read time. Or if you read a book, you wouldn't just, like, rank the favorite your favorite chapters in them, you know? It almost feels like it's like you're picking out random. It's like too random, or it's like okay. incomplete. You know, that's why it's like I can't agree with you because I have an Ozu rank list on Letterbox. So <laughs> I could rank them generally, maybe you know, but I just have. I could. I see what you're saying. I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Yeah. But um, all I'll say is basically all these are gonna be fives for me. So yeah, that we've yeah, done. So uh, that's the problem. That's that's why I agree with you. Yeah, it's exactly. like uh, they're it's all it's amazing. Like the they're all kind of amazing. So. What mood or what character yeah. I want to see or what more dynamic I want to yeah. say you know and it's so. definitely a thing it also will change your favorite like as you go through life basically yes like, exactly exactly yeah. that's another thing that's what I'm saying like what am I kind of feeling now like based on what's going on you know yeah so uh yeah that's Ozu next week we're doing uh I guess the idea behind it is we're doing movies that from directors or themes we did previously that we didn't do so like yeah. for example we did Chaplin but we never did the circus. Floating through films rejects. Yeah, re- yeah, floating F- through films rejects. rejects. FTF rejects. FTF rejects. Yeah, I, don't, I like that. That's I like that title. Yeah, so, like that. so, but we don't know the movies yet, so it'll be in the, the description. So just yes, look, look there. But yeah, until then, hope to see you floating through the clouds. Ozu. Oh,